What's going on everybody? Talk is okay. Lo Feel Good Friday is here with my returning guest Ryan Marcus. We'll discuss Thursday night recap between the Dolphins and the Texans. We will also discuss a preview of Game 3 tonight in the World Series as it shifts to Los Angeles. Can the Red Sox take a three games to none lead or will the Dodgers cut it in half? In addition, we'll talk some NBA and some fantasy week 8 starts and sits and other headlines around the world of sports today on Talk is okay, Lo. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Talk is Okalo and on Instagram at OK Let's Go Sports. After all, my Twitter and IG are sponsored by this show. But without further ado, let's get it on. Enjoy the pod, everybody. Enjoyed a little bit of highlight 
DJing rep by yours truly. After all, we just had to recap Deshaun Watson's amazing comeback performance last night. It blew out my predictions. I knew the Texans were going to win. I knew Lamar Miller was going to have a good win. But, man, it feels good for Deshaun Watson to do what he did. 239 pass yards, five touchdowns, 14 yards rushing. But overall, he got me, most importantly, 30 fantasy points as a quarterback. And, man, just his completion rating and his quarterback rating, 156 Perfect 80% completion rating. It was nothing but phenomenal. I can't wait to discuss this Thursday night game. Unfortunately, uh, Ryan is here today, unfortunately, to be on the bad side of things. After all, the Dolphins didn't just get beat. They got beat bad by a bad man in number four. Uh, Ryan, I don't mean to bring it all in, but uh, how you feeling after Thursday night? Uh, I'm okay. It was it was tough getting out here this morning, but uh, I'm glad to be here. And the Dolphins are still winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Well, well. Hopefully, if maybe Ryan Tannehill comes back in the fray, that'll do it. Um, let's let's discuss discuss Thursday night. What a game by Deshaun Watson. The last two weeks, he's hasn't had perfect passing statistics, but in this game, he came out and he balled out. I mean, and the Texans have gone now from an 0 and three start to win five straight. In it, they're back on top of the AFC South Mountain. Does this make the Texans a legit threat in the AFC? Uh, I would say they're a legit threat. I think Deshaun Watson is the real deal. Uh, he tore up Miami's defense last night, but that's also just a case of Miami's defense being that bad right now. I don't see him beating teams like the Chiefs and the Patriots in that matter, but they can still be a good team uh, with Watson in the AFC right now. Does Do you think that the past few weeks, how Deshaun Watson and the Texans have bounced back? I mean, who would have thunk from an 0-3 start that they would have won five straight? Could they still potentially get the AFC South crown, as people like myself have predicted? Uh, yeah, the way the Jaguars look right now, I definitely think so. The Jaguars, the Titans, and the Colts don't look that hot. Uh, the Houston Texans definitely look like they're in control of this division. And like I said, Watson is talented enough uh, to get him to the playoffs. I really love Deshaun Watson. I think this year was just a big year for him. And, you know, I'm just happy overall, just the, the worry that I was from the first three weeks of the season. I thought the Texans weren't going to go anywhere. But it seems as of right now, if not the AFC South crown, if Jacksonville comes back, they at least likely have a wild card spot secured other than potentially Cincinnati or the Chargers. Yeah, well, when you when you play in a crappy division like that too, I I also think it's a little easier. We got to remember the Jaguars are looking like the old Jaguars. Titans, they they were never that good, and the Colts, what are they two and two and six right now? Caleb? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so they're not playing in a tough division either. Even when they were zero and three, they went out there and they played freely, and now look, they've won five straight. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's very much the gist of it. I think the Texans, I, I still think that there's still plenty of time left in the season. I think they just have to take advantage of the schedule ahead. I think even part of the reason why maybe they started 0-3 with the exception of the New England game, I think it was just because of their lack of respect for other opponents because, you know, honestly, we thought we were they were going to win games like against the Titans, like against the New York Giants, and, you know, and it didn't happen. I'm happy to see, though, that there's a fire under Deshaun Watson eyes. It's only the beginning for this national championship leading quarterback. Uh, yeah, everybody knew what he was capable of. Uh, if you watched last night, the Dolphins couldn't get a hand on him. And when they did, he escaped. He made a crazy throw. Uh, his receivers were wide open, but he's hard, he's hard to get your, your hands on. You know, he's very elusive uh, and he's got a good arm. 
Well, how about other than Deshaun Watson last night, DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, he made, if not two of the best catches of the year. Ryan, in your opinion, it, did, did his catch, even though it didn't count, d- does it compare better to OBJ back in 2014? Absolutely uh, incredible. I, I got to say that catch is about as close as it gets with Odell Beckham's. I mean, he, he grabbed it with one hand and then brought it around on it under his leg to catch, to keep control uh, pretty impressive catch. That's up there with Odell's catch any day. That's a circus freak catch. And even last year when he had that amazing touchdown against my Steelers, though, DeAndre Hawkins, what a game he had last night. I mean, six receptions, 82 yards, two TDs. Insane talent. Absolutely insane talent. Easily top five receiver in the league. Probably, you know, somewhere in top three the way he's playing these days. Uh, and he's never even had, besides Deshaun Watson, his quarterback's always being switched up and he's still doing what he's doing. So absolutely incredible talent. To me, that's what always defines the best receivers. How good can you be no matter who's throwing the football? That's always impressive. I wanted to talk about one player who I think was underrated in the storyline for Thursday night game, Lamar Miller. It was the first time uh, that he's played his former team and what a game that he had. I mean, he had 13 carries, 133 yards and a touchdown. I thought he would have a two touchdown performance, but I did say on my show yesterday with Mike that he would have a hundred yard performance. Lamar Miller, it seems like you guys really wish you had him now in the run game. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see this a lot from players uh, who who used to be on a former team. He, he definitely, you could see, he took that game a little personal. He had a great game. Uh, he And he, I guess he wanted to show the Dolphins what they were missing out on, and he did. Um, and I don't expect him to play like that every week, but you see that a lot with players playing their old team. They They tend to take those games personal and have a little extra pep in their step. A lot of onus on the game for Lamar Miller, and he made the most of it. Uh, outside now from the Texans' fifth straight, let's talk about your Miami Dolphins because last night, first off, it was a homecoming of sorts for Brock Osweiler. I mean, he played his former team. Surprisingly, he actually had a higher passing yardage than Deshaun Watson. Brock Osweiler threw for 241. Uh, Deshaun Watson threw for 239. But overall, last night, the Dolphins' offense just seemed like they couldn't get anything done. Um, I mean, I mean, Brock Osweiler's stats doesn't show he didn't throw for a touchdown. He had a pick 21 for 37. Yeah, uh, the offense, they didn't look as efficient. I still think Ryan Tannehill is the better option. Brock Osweiler, he's been keeping these games decently close and giving us a chance. But at the end of the day, he's not the answer. I still think Ryan Tannehill gives us a way better chance to win. But I will say, okay, Lo, this game is really not on the offense. The defense, I've never seen guys so wide open. Deshaun Watson had a great game, but these guys... Uh, we're absolutely wide open. Uh, you, you can't in the NFL. You're not supposed to be, you know, 10 yards away from somebody that wide open. Miami might fire their defensive coordinator. I would not be surprised at all. Well, I will say this. Uh, you, you blame it on the secondary. I also blame it on the run game yourself. The fact that you gave Lamar Miller a huge chunk of yardage last night and even carry over from last week and gave carry on Johnson 158 yeah. yards rushing. What? For the defensive side of the football. There's obvious. Yeah. I guess they're too scared to cover him, especially how big of a threat he is. Shocking, Ryan. Already, um, but let's just get back to the full sway of things, though. For the Miami Dolphins, I mean, let's just be honest. Hopefully, Ryan Tannehill comes they back soon off of the elbow injury. If Tannehill comes back, 
Is there a potentiality that the Dolphins could still make a wild card playoff with the way that the AFC is starting to heat up? Yeah, I mean, everyone's just, when I say yes to this, everyone's just going to be like, oh, Ryan, you're just a, a biased Dolphin fan. That's not it. Uh, if you look at, you know, when Tannehill plays, their record is actually pretty good over the last 13, 14 games. Uh, they should have won that game against the Bengals. He ended up having a really bad second half, but that would have made them 4-1. and one. Ryan Tannehill is still the answer if we want to even have a little bit of success. Uh, I like what Brock's done. He hasn't played bad for us, like I said, but he's not going to get it done for you. Ryan Tannehill can still win you games. Well, of course, the Dolphins get a chance to bounce back home next week. They get to play the New York Jets at home. It's a good home game, a good way to bounce back. Hopefully, if Ryan Tannehill performs and comes back, it'll be uh, something that'll bring him back. Outside of Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, who on either side of the ball did you um, were impressed with on Thursday night? Well, besides Lamar Miller, like we were talking about, I thought before Will Fuller went down, hopefully he, I don't know if he's going to be okay, but he was having a good game. J.J. Watt looked like his old self out there, especially in the first half. Uh, and those two guys really put a stamp on the game themselves. Hopefully Will Fuller is okay, though. Well, unfortunately, to break the news to you, Ryan, the doctors actually tweeted it out on Adam, Adam Schefter. Yes, uh, Will Fuller's official uh, 2018 strong uh, junior year campaign will come to an end with the uh, torn ACL. Does this now affect the Texans offense not having another threat? Do you think that maybe with some of the trade rumors going around, they maybe try to get a number two guy to try to uh, fulfill the void that Fuller um, is not there anymore? Yeah, even though they have Hopkins, the now that Fuller's gone, they're not super deep uh, at wide receiver. They'll be affected a little bit. I still think they end up being okay for the most part if they trade for somebody or not, but they definitely have way less depth now at the wide receiver position without Fuller. Yeah, most definitely. I really think, though, that with the entire situation of it, you know, I think the Texans, if you still want to compete, it just can't be all Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Will Fuller gave them a they good need edge. one more weapon. Absolutely. I agree with you, Okalo. They need at least one more weapon on that offense. Could it be Demarius Thomas or maybe give Des Bryant a call? It could be. That'd be interesting. I'll tell you what, that'd be real interesting. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but um, I haven't heard anything like that. But I, I I really wouldn't mind seeing it. Des Bryant, I still think, is very capable to play in this league, and we all know what Demarius Thomas can do. Yeah, most definitely. Well, guys, that was the Thursday night recap by yours truly and Ryan discussing. Ryan, hopefully those wounds heal when number 17 gets back in the pads. Yeah, uh, I'm, you know, running out of tissues over here. I've been crying all night. I, I really, it was hard for me to get here this morning. That, that loss hurt, just like the rest of them. That's why you came a little late. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's not a problem, Ryan, but we're going to keep the show rolling. Coming up next, hopefully, uh, to make up for your tears, we're going to talk a little uh, rest of Sunday games. We'll also discuss a little fantasy football as well and some college games this weekend. I already predicted some with Mike. You and I are going to discuss and take turns on the mic. But first, um, coming up after the break, we're going to discuss a little NBA from last night. The Thunder are now 0-5. Does this mean that Russ and the and Paul George are in trouble. And do the Lakers look legit? And are the Nuggets still a contender, even though they lost last night? Stay tuned. Talk is okay. We'll be right back in just a few seconds. But first, here's a little treat from our show yesterday with Mike when we talked about the NBA dress code. On pause and reflect. I was just remembering something a little bit from what me and Mike were discussing off camera, I felt it was important to talk about it. 
This was earlier in the month, but it was originally 13 years ago where the NBA enforced a dress code. Now, back in the 2000s, if you don't remember, with Kobe Bryant, for example, wearing a Donovan McNabb jersey or Allen Iverson wearing an old school jersey associated with hip hop culture and those kind of things. David Stern in 2005, um, at the time when he was commissioner of the league, implemented a mandatory dress code for all NBA and NBA D-League players. And they became the first major sports league to implement the rule. And what's weird is, Mike, is that, you know, watching the NHL, how they always arrive to suit and tie games, you know, you would think that it's an enforced rule. But actually, the NHL states that a player is supposed to wear a jacket and tie to games on charters, if not told by the head coach or GM. So it's really the team that can have the say-so on what's appropriate to wear. But NHL players fall hook, line into it. The dress code, though, it has changed, though, for a little bit of it. Even the NBA freed up this year um, the players not wearing team-oriented sneakers so they can wear, for example, like, um, LeBron, like LeBron 16s with, with maybe red in them. Or, for example, wear... What's a good basketball sneaker out there? A Jordan Five with 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 black with black, or maybe the Supreme Air Max ninety seven up tempo. Yeah. But I will say this though, Mike. Uh, compared though to some of it, because it's weird how players are not supposed to wear those type of things, and it's supposed to be a bad thing. Because J.R. Smith and Lonzo Ball have been in the target recently for, for this. Remember, J.R. Smith had to cover up his Supreme tattoo, and Lonzo Ball had to cover up the big baller brand tattoo on his thing. I mean, why, why does the NBA and professional sports league have to stop these branding things if they're getting paid to do that, even if J.R. Smith just wanted to freely? And last time I checked, isn't Supreme also a collab with Nike? So why should he ban something? If it was Bape or something, I can understand that, but Supreme? Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, the money side's good. The NBA is receiving this money as endorsements. It's, 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 it's like... It's, it's breaking the NBA into a larger than what it is. And then if you want to stop this, stop this, stop that, might as well stop the whole thing. I mean, and I mean, you know what's so weird as the, and it's so weird when David Stern implemented this uh, 13 years ago, of course, with old school hip hop at the time with like Soldier Boy, 50 Cent, yeah. how fashion has changed yeah. and the culture has changed. And even I'll admit Adam Stern, since he, um, Adam Silver, since he stepped in as um, NBA commissioner, he's been a little more lax with this, uh, with the with the dress code policy and stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, it's nothing bad. I mean, shoot, me and you go to work at the same time, wanting to emulate what side of these players were to pregame. Nah, definitely, not. <laughs> definitely not. But then, it, it, like you said, the fashion changed, everything changed, and you see it evolved into what it became. So now it's like, as soon as you let go of that, it's like, hey, turn out this wasn't even a big. It wasn't a big thing on the league anyway. Right, so the new dress code, I mean, you you see it still implemented now. For example, like on the sideline, you know, they're not supposed to wear like specific jerseys, hats, anything with hip hop culture. Because I mean, I'll say this, the NBA, from the fashion that was back when we were growing up as kids to now as compared. And I mean, even though like players may question it back then, I mean, some of these players, for example, have took the ball and ran with it. Like Russell Westbrook wearing a white tee with a chain, you know, with um, with a sport coat, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Russell Westbrook is the biggest one, too. And and just to, just to have that mark done, it's like, man. But if you look at the older players that wish they could have done things like that, it's like, wow. Wow. 
I will say, yeah, it, it's been amazing. Even on the NFL, even though that they wear team issue stuff, some guys in the press box may wear something different or wear something pregame. I mean, I've seen even Deshaun Watson rep an old school Warren Moon jersey from the Houston Oilers. So it, it, it's it's weird how sometimes sports change and stuff, and yet you know we can see sometimes teams enter charter planes with like Christmas attire and maybe Halloween costumes and stuff like that. It. it it, it, sometimes sports can be weird, and, and you know what's so weird with the endorsements and just the fashion sense? I mean, Deion Sanders always said, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And then if you play good, then you know he good, then he knows he's that good. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And this has nothing to do with, oh, you don't think you should do this. No, let that player do what he got to do to get in the game, to get his head in the game. Let him dress however you want to. Let him do whatever, right, whatever tats he want to wear. That let that be him so he can show off his best game. Man, just a little memorization for Flashback Friday, of course. Uh, Mike talking with me. Me and Ryan, of course, reliving the last few minutes of the OKC and the Celtics game from last night. The Celtics beat them on a 16-1 to run in the final few minutes of the game to pound them and send the Thunder to 0-4 for the first time in a long time. Ryan, do you think that it's time to put the panic button on Oklahoma City, or do you feel like it's way too early in the season to predict? Because as Russell Westbrook said last night, he doesn't fret the team's 0-4 start. Do you agree with his assessment of the team? Yeah, well, you know, whenever you start 0-4, it obviously never looks good and people are going to talk. Uh, but I see where he's coming from. It's only his. It was only his second game back. Uh, it looks like a little bit of what they were doing last year, not being able to finish games out strong and things of that matter. But I still have faith in them this year. I still think they end up being a pretty good team this year. And I agree with Russell Westbrook. I think they're in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure how far they'll go, but I still expect them to have a good year. I'm not really pushing the panic button yet. It's only Russell Westbrook's second game back. I know where you're coming from, Ryan, but then again, you know, remember when you we were on the last show and we talked about it with the arthroscopic knee surgery, and by the way, I, I, I misinterpreted, I went on WebMD after the show, found out that it was actually some ligaments that he needed to work on, it wasn't fluid, so my apologies to any WebMD people out there, but... I, I mean, last night he did look like, you know, there's still some rust in his game, um, you know, and overall with PG-13 now, and it's just him as well, I, I really am starting to question, though, for the Thunder, and the way that the Western Conference is right now, it's become the wild, wild west to start off in the season. Eventually, you know Los Angeles is going to come back in the fray. You know, for example, like uh, the Mavericks may make some noise. You know, maybe even the Clippers may make some noise, just putting it out there. But, you know, with the way the West is and the fact that you're 0-4, I I'm really am concerned, especially with Russ. I mean, like you said, he's going to be turning 30 soon in the next month. 
um, in the last episode. So I really am concerned how defensively they were. I mean, the final few minutes, they had the lead with five minutes to play and then 16 to one run to close out. That's not good, especially um, in a home on a home return. But that, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, if they, you know, if they play good in those last five minutes, we're not panicking, uh, you know, right now, the fact you know, you said it yourself, Russell Westbrook said it himself, he, he just came off surgery not that long ago. It's only his second game back. I think he just needs a little time to get going. And I think him and Paul George, it hasn't shown on the court yet, uh, but their relationship is stronger. And I feel like their chemistry will get stronger because of that on the court. And I, I do think you'll see an improvement from the Thunder this year. They got to win a game. They got to get going. They got to get that win under the belt. Yes, 0-4 looks bad, but uh, no, no panic time yet. Not yet. I will say this though, for some of the opponents that they played, they have kept it close. Like for example, against the Celtics, a potential team that could win the East, of course, opening night against the Warriors. They played well without Russ to even send the game into overtime. Yeah. Yeah. And like I just said before, five minutes, you know, if they play five minutes of good basketball, uh, against the Celtics, the last five minutes, we're not talking about this right now. So I don't think there's much concern. They are playing these teams close. And we have to remember who Paul George and Russell Westbrook are. These are two bona fide superstars in the NBA. I think they'll be fine. I say around the fifth or sixth seed maybe this year in the West. The West is really tough like you were uh, pointing to, but I still think they end up around the fifth or sixth spot. Well, I mean, they're so far a part of their four-game homestand. They got a chance now to rebound this Sunday against the Phoenix Suns, so I think an easy track uh, to get back on track against DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Yeah, just to get a little confidence, it's kind of like what you saw the Lakers did. You know, they beat the Suns, and then they ended up getting a good win against the Nuggets last night. But get a little confidence. They're probably going to get this win. Uh, you'll probably see Russell Westbrook and Paul George have a really good game uh, and get, you know, get the juices flowing again, get to the rest of the season. On the Boston side of things, the Celtics just seem like they're still um, proving to be one of the best teams in the East, obviously. But even though right now Toronto has a better record, early on, of course, in the season, Toronto played Boston and Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors handled them heavily. It, are still the Celtics still, based on last night and Kyrie's performance, Jason Tatum's performance, Terry Rozier's performance, is this overall team looking like the way it's supposed to, or do you think Toronto can still be a threat to them in terms of um, the best of the East? Well, yeah, right now the Celtics don't look like what they're supposed to look like, but that's understandable. It's early in the season. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were coming off injuries, so that's uh, understandable. I do think they'll shake some of the rust off too, even though they're winning games. They don't look that good right now, the Celtics. Uh, but the Raptors, don't give Kawhi Leonard, uh, that's a bad dude right there. And I can't just easily say anymore that the Celtics are going to go to the finals. It's a big three-way. Like, I think the Celtics and the Raptors might see the, each other in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think the 76ers are breathing right down their neck. But Kawhi Leonard's a bad dude. Uh, don't sleep on him. He's looking like he's enjoying Toronto right now. And before you know it, maybe Drake might even come enjoy a game. I mean, why did, we could have seen Drake on his birthday. I mean, shout out to you, Champagne Poppy. Hope you enjoyed your um, hope you enjoyed your 30s into it. Uh, but overall, though, for the Celtics, they didn't even look that impressive last night in the comeback, in your opinion? Well, the comeback, those last, yeah, 16-1 run, that was impressive. But the prior to that, the rest of the whole game before that and the game's uh, before the Thunder game, uh, they, they really didn't look that hot. But that's, like I said, I expected that. You know, Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, they got to shake the rust off. Once they're all together and playing for each other again, they're a really dangerous team. 
Continuing on, of course, with the NBA discussion, you were mentioning, of course, LeBron's Lakers. They got their second consecutive win, first one in the Staples Center against, unfortunately, my Denver Nuggets. So the undefeated chance and stuff will uh, come to an end for me. But let's talk about last night's game. I mean, what a finish. First off, on my Denver side of things, a lot of people don't see the Nuggets, Ryan, as a as a contender I mean I still think we got a little ways to go but to even make the playoffs but last night they put on at least a good enough show and they had him on the ropes just like the Thunder did against the Celtics with four minutes to play but then LeBron put on the showtime performance yeah and uh your Nuggets are good okay though um the Denver Nuggets are going to be a very good team this year I say they finish third fourth maybe even fifth in the west this year I think they're going to be they're a solid team uh the Joker he's top three center in the NBA Paul Millsap has always been solid. Jamal Murray is on the up and coming. They don't even have Will Barton back yet. We don't even have Isaiah Thomas starting. That's right. You guys have a solid team with a lot of depth. They beat the Warriors the other night. They're going to be in the playoffs this year for sure. I really enjoyed last night's game. I mean, uh, Denver, you know, our calling card so far in the early part of the season was defense. And I mean, like you mentioned, Nikolai Jokic played well. I mean, he had, he was, um, 11, he had 11 rebounds, three assists and 24 points to lead the Nuggets. And, you know, Jamal Murray stepped up as well. He's had some quiet games. And how about Monte Morris? I wouldn't expect him to come off the bench and put up 20 points, seven assists and five rebounds. But how about LeBron? last night I mean a triple double the 174th of his career LeBron just does LeBron things doesn't he Ryan yeah I've been watching this guy pretty much my whole life now nothing really surprises me anymore maybe the only thing is that he's getting he's legitimately getting older out there he's an old man like he's turning 34 this year and he's still running better than any of these guys he's so stronger than any of these guys uh it's absolutely amazing but Lance Stevenson is the one who sparked this win for them the other night. I must say, obviously, LeBron and his heroics always do it, but Lance Stevenson got those eight straight points, and that's when things really got going. I got to give two credits to to the L.A. side to two players. One in particular, JaVale McGee, 21 points, two assists, and seven rebounds. I mean, JaVale put up a good one. And then Lonzo Ball just, even though it was a 12-point game, I mean, the three that he had, even I think he's improved the shot from last year. No, I, I like his game. Lonzo plays a very good, clean, efficient game. Uh, he could still get better as a scorer, and he knows that. I still think you could continue to start Rondo for now. Let him learn from Rondo. Uh, but don't get me wrong. I like Lonzo's game a lot, and I think he's got a lot of potential. How about the after effects of last night's game? Kobe Bryant, originally in the week, said if the Lakers started 0-5, he would potentially think about coming back. I think now with the Lakers' last two wins, I think we can squash that conversation. But – Kobe said, though, that if LeBron needs anything from him being a Laker, he's a Laker to him, period. You give me a call. What do you think from the Black Bombos' respect to the King? I think I think it's good. You know, he is a Laker now. Uh, he's trying to follow in Kobe's steps, how great Kobe was as a Laker, winning five rings. LeBron's trying to get a little taste of that. And uh, I think it's the only right thing to do to support LeBron if you're Kobe. I mean, I don't think it'd be right not to support him. He's on the Lakers now, you know. I'm loving Kobe's respect for men. And you know what's weird, Ryan, is that as kids, we would always dream 
of the dream matchup in the NBA Finals, LeBron versus Kobe. It was like it could be like the magic bird back in you and I dad's era, you know, and the fact, though, that Kobe is being this courteous. I mean, LeBron's just a newly minted free agent, but I think it's part of the reason like how he treated Shaq back in 96 when Shaq signed with the Lakers and look at the fun that they had. It's different now because obviously the Black Mamba's retired. LeBron's still in it to win it in his 14th year in the league. Uh, so I love the mutual respect that that Kobe's given it to. And I know LeBron may have some catching up to do because obviously Mamba five, um, LeBron three rings. But, you know, I'm loving the respect. And I think with the more love that LeBron gets like this, you know, L.A. fans are still going to realize this soon and really get on board the LeBron chain train like we have once upon a time in Miami and prior to years in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, they should be. It's it's LeBron James. OK, well, you know, this guy, I, I you know, I got tons of respect for Kobe. Like you said, five rings to LeBron's three. But to me, uh, that doesn't do it. If anything, I hate to say it, Kobe should be thanking LeBron for coming. LeBron James, it's LeBron James, people. This is the greatest, to me, human being to ever play basketball. Okay, let me put it to you like this, okay, LeBron could miss his next 500 shots. 500, okay, And still have a better career field goal percentage than Kobe Bryant. Does that tell you? Anything? Like, it's LeBron James. I, 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 look, 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 Mariah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by, by some of the comments you're saying because remember, there's a number, there's another number 23 that I think is the best on the planet. Nothing compares to the yeah, jump man, right. Michael Jordan. You have, you have the argument with Michael Jordan versus LeBron. I always respect people who pick Michael Jordan, but when you know, I talk to a lot of my friends. If they pick Kobe over LeBron, I don't, I don't understand how you see it. You can bring up the ring argument all you want. That's a weak argument to me. But Kobe versus LeBron, there's really no argument these days. You check every stat. LeBron's outachieved him in every single way. The Michael Jordan one, you still have an argument, but you put a 51-8-8 and in a finals game against so-called the best team of all time just for J.R. Smith to mess you up because he doesn't know what he's doing out there. If you watch that game, Okalo, there's nobody. There's never been anybody to play basketball at that level that he was playing at. Uh, so that's just my take. You know, that's LeBron. LeBron James is LeBron James. These Laker fans better be taking him and they'd be stupid not to. <laughs> I think LeBron, Le- LA fans will get that message hook, line and sinker. Of course, the other games that went on last night, the Cavs and the Pistons, Detroit looking like the real deal right now. I mean, do the Pistons look playoff bound with Dwayne Casey's first year on the sidelines? Yes. People forgot about how good Blake Griffin is. That guy is a superstar. Uh, and Andre Drumming right to his side, uh, they're dangerous. They're going to be dangerous. If they could get a little bit more shooting, they'll be a good team. But Blake Griffin's going to uh, bring them some places this year. I just want to say, Okalo, also, going back to LeBron, they're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know what their record is, Okalo? 0 and 5. Guess what, Okalo? This same team went to the finals with LeBron. They have now lost to the Hawks and the Nets by almost over 20 points. Okay? Just to give you a little idea how good LeBron James is. And how good LeBron James, not only on the court, but off of it, Ryan. I just actually looked at something prior to coming in today's show. Did you know, actually, the Nets-Cavaliers game actually sold for $2 on the retail market? What's so weird is this. According to some statistic gurus on Forbes.com, when LeBron... It's called the LeBron effect. Whenever LeBron comes to a town or certain ticket sales go up 20% higher than, of course, on retail value. God, I sound like somebody off of CNBC right now. But then, but then even when LeBron doesn't appear to your team, their average below drops around 20%. LeBron 
equals ratings, ticket ticket sales, merchandise, and everything. I, I can't believe how Cleveland not only misses us on the court, but often because honestly, it'll be like what it was prior when LeBron left. Nobody ain't going to really show the Quicken Loans Arena. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's must-watch TV with him. I mean, he's had a microscope on him since he was 16 years old, uh, and all he's done is exceed expectations his whole entire career. He's box office. People want to watch LeBron James. He's 33, turning 34, still dunking on guys in their 20s. It's, it's amazing what he's doing still. And you know what will be amazing more when we get Space Jam 2 that comes out very soon? I think that'll even exceed even the higher box office draws for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my, trying to follow Michael Jordan's footsteps. He, he looks like a decent actor out there. Hopefully it's a good movie. I mean, did you remember the movie he was in with Amy Schumer? Yeah, Trainwreck. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He didn't, he didn't do bad in it. Anytime you put a real tall NBA guy, they're always a little awkward, but he didn't do too bad in it. Compared to MJ's acting and Shaq's acting, I think LeBron deserves an Oscar. Because, I mean, uh, not to Shaq's be able... Shaq's just funny, you know? I mean, he can DJ. He can do Krispy Kreme donuts. I mean, he can't full on, like, act and portray a But, I mean, still, at least his attempts are funny. Yeah, yeah. No, Shaq is... Uh, that's another one. People just want to watch him, you know? So, he's funny. And Michael Jordan, he, well, he, he can work on his acting a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, Space Jam still was a fun movie. I don't care what anybody yeah, says. It was, it was a great movie, great movie. Coming off, though, uh, for the rest of Wednesday night's game, the Trailblazers got it done against the Magic. And um, like, like we mentioned, Cavs, Pistons. How about Portland? I mean, a lot of people saw this team dead in the water um, last um, going into this season. They're 3-1 and one right now. Damian Lillard playing, if not his best ball. I know this might be an odd question to ask, Ryan, but do you maybe see Damian Lillard in terms of MVP candidacy, uh, he'll get he'll get you know some early chance you know throughout the season or, or whatever. But I don't see him winning MVP. There's two. He's a great player. He's a great player in this league, and he can do a lot of great things. But he's not as good as some of these guys that are probably going to win. You know, Aneta Kumbo, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Harden, Westbrook. He's not one of those guys. He's a great player, but he's not one of those guys. And you know, the Trailblazers are going to be what they are every year. They're going to make it to the playoffs. They got swept last year. I don't expect them to do much. They're always just a decent team. You know, I, I think, you know, Damian Lillard, I'm really surprised with uh, how he's handled it. I thought, honestly, since um, the swept last year by the Pelicans, he would want out. But it seems, though, that they're still fighting it and stuff like that. C.J. McCollum is even, you know, when I talked with Jack on um, the last episode he was on, you know, about his tweeting and stuff like that, you know, they're backing up the talk right now so far um, this season. I know it's early on, but I think still that this team has a lot to prove, maybe um, one more time in the playoffs. Damian Lillard, I think, could make MVP just if he shows a little more fourth quarter clutchness and maybe just more onus and taking over the game, game manager type stuff. Well, they better be backing up the talk. I don't, to be honest, okay, I don't know why they're talking. They were third seed last year, okay? They lost against the Pelicans, who were 60. Not only did they lose, they got swept. Uh, Damian Lillard, I was watching the post-game interview. He had a really good game. He said some fan was heckling him and that's when he decided to go off. Well, why didn't you decide to go off in the playoffs when you were down 4-0? Instead, you're talking about some little game against the Magic on the road. I mean, I feel like their priorities are not, you know, 100% where they should be at. Don't get me wrong, Damian Lillard's a killer. He's a competitor. I like his game. But he's got to show me more than what he showed me last year. And you can't just, you know, talk about why are you even talking about some fan against the Magic talking? You're going to get that all the time. 
Right. I mean, I agree. I think, you know, Damian Lillard needs to show up when it matters most, and that comes time playoff. Um, real quick, though, um, two other things. Um, of course, uh, the Miami Heat recently played uh, the New York Knicks. What a game, though, by Dwayne Wade. Of course, the reason I mentioned this for your Miami Heat was the respect that Dave Fisdale, his former assistant coach, gave. Did you see the end of that part? Um, what did you think of uh, Fizz giving his respects last year to Mr. Three's last dance? All of, all of. Those guys were in the uh, trenches for a long time together. Uh, tons of respect. If you saw the whole Heat team loved Fizdale. They were all walking up and hugging him and stuff. So just a ton of respect all around. Good win for the Heat. Uh, I think once the Knicks get Porzingis, if they can get a couple players around him, keep Fizdale as the coach, they can eventually one day be good. But, you know, the Heat got the best of them. One last thing as well before we get into, in my opinion, the game of the night between the Bucks and the Timberwolves. How about after last night, we talked about some of the post-game dope um, prior to the pregame. Nikolai Jokic made a big, bold statement. We talked about Shaq as well. Jokic actually said that Shaq could not guard him. Yes. Now, I am honestly surprised that Nikolai Jokic would talk about a Hall of Famer like that. Usually Nikolai Jokic doesn't talk that much, but some pretty big words. What do you think, Ryan? Could could Nikolai Jokic be un, unguardable against the Diesel? Yeah, I was watching uh, when he said it. It kind of looked like he was joking as he said it. I don't think he meant it in a disrespectful way. He kind of had a smile on his face when he said it. Uh, Shaq probably would do okay guarding him. Jokic's good, though. He, he could get a, a bucket or two. I'm not saying he wouldn't score at all, but, you know, it's Shaquille O'Neal we're talking about. And if you turn it the other way around, there's no way Jokic's guarding him. But I don't think it was any harm. I, I, Jokic didn't really mean it. I, you know, there's a smile on his face when he said it. he was kind of laughing when he said it. But he's a he's a like I said, he's a top three center. He's he knows what he's doing out there. He's a good player. I think a budding candidate, a, a player that needs to show much in the fourth quarter in order to take Denver further. Lastly, um, we can get through some of the games, but I want to focus on the big one, in my opinion, the game of the night tonight, the Bucks and the Timberwolves. Of course, a big storyline out of this is Jimmy Butler potentially getting traded to the Rockets because Houston's offering four first round picks to acquire Jimmy Buckets. But Outside of this, games in Minnesota tonight, Giannis versus the trio of Wiggins, Cat, and JB. Who do you got on this one? Uh, it's going to be a close game. This one could really go either way. I'm just going to go with the Bucks. Things aren't right in Minnesota right now. Carl Anthony Towns just asked to come out of the game. He doesn't look right. It looks like Jimmy Butler's gotten his, in his head too much. He doesn't look the same from last year. If I'm the Timberwolves, I don't know how you don't take that trade. Four first-round picks, though, Caleb. Four. But then again, you look at the cornerstone that Jimmy Butler, he's really the glue that keeps the franchise. Remember the argument he said, you effing need me. But he doesn't He doesn't want to be there. It's bad. And now look what he's doing. I don't care what anybody says. It's affecting Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns has to pull his pants up and, you know, stop boo-hoo crying. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be there. I don't want to play on my team no matter how good he is if he doesn't want to be there. And it's not like they're getting crap in return, okay? They're getting four first-round picks. But that's the thing. Picks, you don't know what they can turn in. Minnesota wants to win right now. If they believe in, you know, what if they know what they want, if Minnesota knows what they want and they know what they want out of a player, they can still succeed in the draft with four first-round picks. Jimmy Butler does not want to be there. There's no other answer to that. I don't know. They're going to, you know, play this wrong and, and get stuck with them somehow, and then everyone's going to be miserable. Ryan, listen, I know what you're coming from, but listen, you know Tom Thibodeau as well as I do. He can be stubborn. He knows talent when he sees it. He doesn't want to risk it on a pick, and the pick turns out to be a bust. If he knows what he wants out of a team to go win a championship, 
Jimmy Butler is one of those players that could win you a championship. He's a game changer for a trio of guys that you could have. Let me ask you something, okay, though. Does, does Jimmy Butler want to be there? In my personal opinion, no. I think he wants to try to make it work, but he knows it's not working. Does Now I'm going to ask you another one. Does Andrew Wiggins want Jimmy Butler to be there? I ain't going to comment on that. <laughs> and now one more. Do you think Carl Anthony Towns, out of all people, wants Jimmy Butler to be there? I mean, yeah, yes, I think he does because look how different that Jimmy Butler makes. Did you remember the meme on the sideline where he was just took a deep breath like, it's going to be a long year if we don't have JB. I think that even though they may say that, they know as well as I know and fans know that Jimmy Butler makes that team one of the top premier teams in the West. Everybody knows how good Jimmy Butler is. That's not, you know, I'm not saying he's not worth four, four first-round picks or whatever the case may be. Everybody knows how good he is. It's just a simple fact of things aren't right in Minnesota. The attitude's not right. The culture's not right. Everybody seems miserable. You got to clean that up. Sometimes, if it, even if it's a really good player, you got to clean it up. And like I keep going to, they're not getting crap in return. Carl Anthony Towns looks miserable out there. You know Wiggins doesn't want to play. He's tweeting hallelujah when he thought Butler was leaving. And Carl Anthony Towns doesn't care for him much either after uh, Butler has called him out many times. It, it It's not right there. It's not right. Well, hopefully we'll see when we get down to the further season, maybe close to the trade deadline, maybe Miami could potentially get him as well. Uh, real quick, though, I'll go for the Bucks. We'll discuss a little more uh, NBA preview games on a side segment. But coming up next, we're going to discuss, of course, some Sunday NFL games. Who do we got on Sunday bouncing back? And some of the big games in the NFC from Rams-Packers to Vikings-Saints, an NFC divisional playoff rematch. Stay tuned. Talk is okay, though. We'll be right back. Back on Talk is Okalo, we are going to discuss now some NFL game picks for week number eight. Uh, of course, I wanted to save it most importantly for my guest, Ryan. Me and Mike talk a little games on Sunday. Um, he, for example, doesn't see the Packers, a Rams game as anything. But I think that the matchup is big because of a big reason. Cal Bear versus Cal Bear. Aaron Rodgers versus Jared Goff. Aaron Rodgers will kick off the knee brace and we'll get to show off some showtime in L.A. But before we get to, in my opinion, the game of the week, I want to start off with the early game in good old jolly London between the Eagles and the Jaguars. Both teams need a win desperately. The Jaguars need to prove that they can still be a premier contender in the league. Blake Bortles has to show he's bounced back, as well as the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Ryan First off, your take on Jaguars, Eagles. Who needs this game more, and who do you have winning and why? Yeah, must win for both teams. I will say just, you know, both divisions aren't doing good right now, but just because of the, the way their divisions are looking, this is probably a must win more for the Eagles. Uh, they have more expectations on the line, I think, uh, and they're more disciplined. I think they win this game. Like I said, it's a must win for both teams. Both teams are in trouble if they don't win this game. But I think the Eagles win. I think they need it more, and I think they – uh, they're just more disciplined. I think they go out here and get this win. Well, remember, Ryan, this is their first trip to London ever in the franchise's history. You know, the Jaguars have been accustomed to playing in London. So you don't think, though, the Jaguars' experience on the pitch will help them? That, that's actually a good point. Uh, that could play a factor in the game. I'm just going off of what I've seen in recent weeks. I still think the Eagles are a better team than the Jaguars. Blake Bortles looks awful. The defense looks like they're getting exposed now. I still think the Eagles have a pretty good team. I still think Carson Wentz, you know, every week he's getting better and better back to his old self. Uh, and I, you know, they, 
they have what it takes, even though they've never been to London, they would have what it takes to go there and still beat the Jaguars. But I do agree with you that the Jaguars having experience there does play a factor into the game. I'm really liking um, the Jaguars on this one. I think it's a must win for them than anything. I think for the Eagles, they just need to be healthy. I remember a poll question I did during the week on Instagram. By the way, make sure you follow me. Okay, let's go underscore Okalo, where I asked fans, does can the Jags still make the playoffs with late Bortles? 62% of the people said no. 38% yes. I think you were one of the people that voted no on that. Do you think, though, why, why don't you think that the Jags don't have a chance with, with uh, BB at quarterback? Well, the way it looks right now, I mean, why would you think they do? I mean, I know he got them to the playoffs last year, but uh, this isn't last year. This is a new year. And if he keeps playing like this, he'll continue to get benched. And they're, look, at what, look how they're playing. They're not going to make it to the playoffs with this guy right now. I don't see it. And look, I, I, the reason I'm taking the Jaguars on this one is because I look at the expectations they're under. They have, if not the league's best defense, and they've been getting torched by teams like the Cowboys, even 40 to 7 against the Dallas Cowboys. That's why the, Eagles, that's why the Eagles will win. They got a better offense than the Cowboys, and, you know, they're getting blown out by teams. You know, the Cowboys' offense isn't all that. 40 to 7, uh, they better do something. They better fix something because the Eagles are coming, and they're desperate for a win, too. Well, also remember, we've been hearing Blake Bortles' name, um, you know, with quarterbacks coming to Jacksonville. I mean, it'll be a better option than Cody Kessler, but I'm taking the Jaguars on this one. I think, you know, the, the experience in London that they've been through, I think, you know, the pitch is, is something that the Eagles are going to have to get used to because football fields and soccer fields are two completely different things. The wide range, even though they're going to try to compress it. I, I really got to see Jacksonville um, bounce back on this one. Hopefully, if uh, Leonard Fournette plays, um, you know, I, I see them getting back into the win column and trying to get back in that AFC South fight. Yeah, it's going to be a close game. I don't see a blowout, really. I, I, I think Eagles take it, though. You think Jaguars, I think Eagles will see. Baltimore, Carolina, the Panthers have been on a hot streak so far, and they currently hold a wild card spot. The Baltimore Ravens are hoping to get back on top of it. Who do you got in the battle in North Carolina? Another super-duper close game here. Baltimore's defense has looked pretty incredible. Uh, for some reason, I don't know, it being in Carolina maybe, and Cam Newton's heroics, uh, they might inch it out by a little bit. I'm going to stick with them for now. Both teams have been playing pretty well. Baltimore, like I said, defense looks fantastic. Joe Flacco looks good. But I think Panthers inch just went out at home because of the heroics of Cam Newton. I go for Carolina as well. I mean, like you said, the Ravens have been looking impressive. But the only reason I think if the Ravens can win, if, if Justin Tucker doesn't miss another point after a 10. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, crazy to think all they need to do is tie it up to go into overtime with an extra point and miss his first one of his career. But welcome to the NFL. You know, crazy things happen all the time. But I'm not really worried about Justin Tucker. He's, you know, average best NFL kicker in NFL history, you know, percentage wise. So I'm not worried about him. Yeah, well, I think the football gods showed no mercy to get Drew Brees his 32nd win in the league. How about Bears-Jets? A big one um, for both teams. Sam Darnold coming into Chi-Town, Chi-Town. Michael Jordan just said, text me. <laughs> against Mitchell Trubisky and his Bears. I got the Bears winning it on this one, and I say their defense plays out after two straight losses. I think this is a big win for Chicago. Yeah, I think this is actually going to be another close one. I think the Jets are going to be sneaky in this one. I think they're going to keep this one very interesting. Uh, I do see that at the end of the day, the Bears getting the win, maybe inching it out by a little bit. Trubisky looks good. 
Uh, defense gets back on track. I think they get in Sam Darnold's face. Jets keep it close, but Bears win. All right, Bears win on that one. How about another big matchup? I think another high-scoring affair. Bengals-Buccaneers, famous Jameis Winston leads Tampa to um, the city by the river, uh, Cincinnati, to take on the 4-3 and three Bengals. Both teams need another win. Who takes it out in this one? Bengals, they've lost a couple straight, I believe. They get back on track here this week. Jameis Winston, he'll probably play okay. It'll probably be a nice competitive game. Uh, Buc- uh, I'm sorry, Buccaneers. The Bengals win this one at home. I'm actually going to take Tampa on this one. I think Jameis Winston is looking like his former self. You know, he's been playing extremely well. I don't know if it's the motivation from Ryan Fitzpatrick early on in the season or the fact of all that has happened this past offseason. He's really starting to play like the Jameis Winston of old. He's not getting a lot of attention, which is great. If he keeps up this momentum, I see Tampa maybe, just maybe, get into the wild card of the playoffs this year because it's a pretty indicive year overall for the Buccaneers organization if they need to start it off this year and besides you know I, I got a root against uh, Cincinnati because they're division rivals I love you Andy Dalton so far but not in this one Tampa gets it this one I say a high scoring affair I want to say maybe a 38-35 type game something like that. yeah something like that agreed uh, but if Tampa Bay is going to come in here and win like you said Jameis Winston does need to have a good game uh, but you know It being in Cincinnati, I give the edge to them a little bit, but I agree with the high-scoring affair. Seattle battle in the Motor City. Who do we have taking in this one? Detroit. uh, Matthew Stafford's look good again. Seahawks, they've actually looked decent too, uh, you know, getting together a couple wins. They are coming off a bye, I believe. So they're going to be ready to go, but Matthew Stafford looks good. Secondary for Seattle, still banged up. No Earl Thomas, nobody really these days. They look decent, but I think Matthew Stafford gets the best of them at home. I agree, too. I think I'll give it to Detroit on this one. Carryon Johnson's been picking up some great slack, a big part of their run game. I love it. Patty Mahomes is at home against Case Keenum's Broncos. Who do we got on this one? I think Kansas City. Can we agree? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes continues to be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I actually think Kansas City's defense will show up. This is going to be a very hard game for Case Keenum to have to go into that hostile environment in Kansas City. Uh, it might get ugly out there. I'm not sure. But if if the Chiefs end up winning by over double digits, you heard it here. Well, I agree with you, Ryan. I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and I mean, you're right, talking about Arrowhead Stadium, the loudest stadium in the NFL. You can never go wrong betting for the Chiefs at home. How about Redskins, Giants, this one in the Met Old Lands? Giants are 1-6. They've been having a huge fire sale. Does the fire sale help them get back a win for the first time since week three, or does Washington continue to lead the NFC East? Upset alert. Giants will win this game. Uh, Giants will win this game. Odell Beckham will go off. Eli Manning might have his first decent game this season. Saquon Barkley is going to run all over the Redskins' defense. Uh, this game is in New York. It will be a problem for the Redskins, and I don't know why, Kayla. I just got one of those funny feelings, but the Giants will win this game. They will win it. You you play upset bold. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to go for the Redskins. I think so far Alex Smith has been playing some consistent ball. You know, the defense is actually looking really good. I have to see something from Eli because like the Monday night game, they could have won that had there been better clock management. The offensive line is still shaky. Saquon and Odell can't do it all until Eli Manning proves to me. Otherwise, um, unless he's not going to be a part of the fire sale next. I mean, he thought he was like Odell, Eli. Apple, I'm still going to take the Redskins on that one. How about this one? Because this is a very important game for me, for the for the other team on the other side. The battle from week one of the ties. 
Browns Steelers, this time in Pittsburgh. Todd Haley, of course, our former offensive coordinator, will come home for the first time, this time with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. This time, no ties, Ryan, right? Yeah, uh, I still think Baker Mayfield is going to be a special player in this league. I haven't changed that uh, opinion yet, but I think the Steelers win this game. It could be a close game, but I think they, they're in control the whole time. You know, Pittsburgh is another tough place to win. All the bell drama is still around. The Steelers just kind of want to play. Uh, they, they're coming off a bye, too. They're going to be ready to go against the Browns. Even though we don't have Le'Veon Bell, you know the five words I love to say. Here we go, Steelers! Here we go! How about this one? The Colts traveled to the West Coast to face John Gruden's new-look Raiders, um, slashing off another South Florida talent. Do you think that the Raiders get uh, a win against the Colts, or do you think Andrew Luck gets his second straight win? This one's going to be a toss-up to me. I think this ends up being a really close game. It could really fall either way. Uh, I'm going to pick the Raiders. They're desperate. So are the Colts, kind of. They've only won, I think, two games themselves. But Raiders at home, uh, they're coming off a bye, too, I believe. And they have to be ready to go. They're desperate. John Gruden, you know, it looks bad out there. They got to do something. I'm going to play it safe again. I'm going to go for the Colts on this one. Andrew Luck, I think, is starting to feel back his game. One player to look out for, Marlon Mack. What an amazing game he had last week against the Bills. I think he continues this week against a, a not-so-good Raiders run D. I'm going to take the Colts uh, doing this one. They get back on track and maybe fight in going into um, the second half of the season. Cardinals, Niners, 1-6. Who breaks out from last place in the NFC West? Josh Rosen has a good game. Cardinals have a bounce-back game. They just got squashed by the Broncos on Thursday Night Football, so they've almost had like a, a mini-buy to recover a little bit. Uh, Cardinals at home come out and have a good game against the troubled 49ers. C.J. Bether, the quarterback for the 49ers, doesn't look bad. He really doesn't. Kyle Shanahan's offense really doesn't look bad, but the Cardinals get this win at home. I'm going to go with the 49ers, actually. And the reason I pick uh, the 49ers over the Cardinals is because, as you say, this is an important game for Arizona to bounce back. But I look at the situation like this, Ryan. They fired their offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy. Let's just be honest. He wasn't helping already with a plagued offensive line and just bad pass protection overall. And, you know, with a rookie like Josh Rosen. Now, Josh did get his first win against the 49ers. But C.J. Beathard has been playing really well and has, step, and has stepped in. It's not no Kurt Warner story um, with, a, with your starting quarterback, Kurt. But he's been playing some good ball. I think that he does get the 49ers a win on the road. I, I just like it just because I think the that he's been close in a lot of games. I think they get out in this one. I, I see San Francisco getting their second dub of the year. Yeah, this I agree. It's still going to be a close game. A lot of these picks, if you notice, I've, I've been edging towards the home team a little bit this week. That's just the vibe I'm getting. A lot of these games are going to be close. But if, you know, if the home teams, to me, obviously have the advantage. You know, if, if a really good team is playing a team, you know, on the road, a not-so-good team, of course – I'd go with them, but a lot of these games are close enough to where I don't have much of a deciding factor on who I want to pick, but it being at home, Arizona's not the easiest place to play. Uh, like I said, no one likes getting beat, beat down by 30, which is what just happened to the Cardinals. They know the 49ers aren't that good of a team. They're going to come out with some confidence, and they're going to want to play. My opinion, the game of the week, and I think yours might be as well, Ryan, Los Angeles and Green Bay, as I mentioned at the top of the segment, Cal Bear versus Cal Bear, Goff versus Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers breaks loose the knee chain. Is this the week the Rams get their first loss? Because I'm smelling something cooking by the back. 
Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers is that bad man. He's got a whole week. He just came off a whole goodbye week two. He's as healthy as he's been since the injury in week one. Uh, and all I got to say is look out. He, I think he's going to give L.A. their first loss of the season. Me and Ryan are picking upsets on this one. No disrespect to Sean McVay and company, but I predict a fourth quarter comeback and Aaron Rodgers going off. I will say this. I will say this. I think the Rams are absolutely going to thrash uh, that Packers defense. I think they're going to put up maybe 35, 40 points, which means Aaron Rodgers has to do the same, which I believe he can. But uh, I still think the Rams thrash that Packer defense. So we'll see. 40, I'm going to say 48 to 45 in overtime. Green Bay gets it done. Five touchdowns apiece for both Goff and Rodgers. I think that the older cow bear has to teach the young cow bear something. Yeah. And then lastly, the Monday, next to lastly, the Monday, the not the Monday night, sorry, the Sunday night affair, a battle in Skull Nation, a rematch of last year's Minneapolis miracle, the Vikings and the Saints. The Saints are 5-1 and one leading the South, while the Vikings are 4-2-1 and one leading the North. Ryan, who gets revenge or who wins this battle? Uh, I'm going to take another upset. I'm not sure if people are calling this an upset, but I know this one's in Minnesota. The Saints, uh, they're still hurting from last year, that playoff loss, you know? So they want, they smell blood. They want to come in there. They want to, you know, send a message. I think Drew Brees has a good game. It's on the road, but it's in a dome. He plays better inside. Uh, I think Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, they're going to they're gonna see what works. They're going to start by handing it off to Mark Ingram and stuff. And if he's getting stuffed a little bit, they're going to start the passing game with Alvin Kamara. They have two options, whatever's flowing better in the game. So that's a big thing. Michael Thomas is always going to be a factor. Still think it's going to be a close game. I'd say the Saints come out on top. They, they, they're still hurting from last year's loss. I'm going to stick with Minnesota, and I say the Minneapolis miracle number two happens in it. I think Kirk Cousins shows um, a little fourth-quarter magic. He doesn't really show it that often, but I got to go with him. I think the Vikings pull it out this one. You know, they don't have uh, Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Latavius Murray is likely going to play. But when you have Adam Thielen, who's been averaging over 100 yards in seven consecutive games, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, and then you got Kirk Cousins doing that awesome end zone dance. I'm looking forward to see what they cook up in this one. I'm taking the Vikings on this one. And I'm not going to look back um, on it. And then last but not least, Buffalo, New England. I think, you know, New England. Yeah, uh, they might win by like 21 points or something like that. We'll see. But uh, who is Tom Brady versus who these days? Is it Nathan Peterman? Is it jo- jo- it's, it's Derek Anderson. Oh, oh boy. Goody. Um, yeah, they, they probably win this one by over 20. All right, you heard the picks from me and Ryan next. Coming up next, we're going to discuss a little World Series tonight. The Dodgers are down two games to none. Can the Reds? Can the Red Sox take the lead, or will the Dodgers bounce back in Los Angeles, getting a little bit of vibe from LeBron last night? And then later, we'll discuss a little college football Saturday predictions. And to cap off, um, some other headlines around. Stay tuned. Talk is okay. We'll be right back. So as some people know, I uh, have another job outside of podcasting for Talk is Okay. I work at a retail store. If you haven't heard its name, it's called H&M. And Ryan, I wanted to tell you this funny story. I wanted to save it so that other people can hear. So Sunday when I closed, um, you know, I was cleaning up, doing my things. So 
I was surprised to see this. Do you know Dolphins cornerback Cordrea Tankerson? Yes, I do. Well, believe it or not, after the game Sunday against the Detroit Lions, Cordrea actually, with his mom, his girlfriend, and uh, and some of his and two of his kids, they actually came to my job at H and M. First off, I'll, I'll tell you this: I was surprised. I, I was like, "Wait, are they Dolphins fans, or you know, are they or is like a family player?" Because I saw the side of the Dolphins jersey say "girlfriend." And what made me even think that he was an NFL superstar? The sneakers, the Balenciaga um, sock shoes that he was wearing. So what I did was I called for a hall pass. I went to the back of um, my job just to search up because I saw number 23 and I'm like, well, that's Jay Ajayi's number. I don't know anybody in the Dolphins that did it. So then I searched it up and I, it was Cordrea Tankerson. So I went back out and well, I pretended I was um, running something for clothes. And I just went up and I said, Cordrea Tankerson? And honestly, though, my heart started to pound a little bit. But, you know, I just I just kept my calm, coolness, and composure for it. I just said, you know, hey, sorry about today's loss against Detroit. I actually asked him because he had some clothes in his hands. I was like, you buying that for the quick road trip to Houston? He's like, oh, nah, I got some stuff already. This is just for me and my girls so for when for them to come. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, nice to meet you. You know, good luck the rest of the season. I really, you know what I'm pissed at for the fat Ryan? is that I should have asked him to be on the show. But I felt like he had a Thursday night game to go to. You know, he was coming off a loss. I'm sure he didn't want to talk um, throughout the week. He probably had to get ready for the flight to Houston. I need your opinion, bro. Do you think that I messed up by not asking him to be on Talk Is Okay, Lo? Well, I, I guess it wouldn't have hurt to ask him. He is a busy guy. Like you said, he did just travel to Houston uh, for the Thursday night game. But this is what I'll tell you, Kayla, when people start to realize how good this show is and when it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, then maybe that can happen. Uh, but, you know, for now, we just you keep working up you keep and people will soon realize how good this show is. I mean, we already reached 300 plays uh, for the month, so I'm, I'm glad of the gradual build. Hopefully by the end of the year, maybe I can reach 1,000 into Buddy Moore. But Ryan, honestly, I, one of my coworkers said, you should have taken the opportunity because opportunities that like this don't happen that often. Yeah, yeah, but now you know for next time. Uh, and like I said, you, you weren't in the wrong or anything. I mean, you were thinking about the guy's guy. He's a busy guy, you know, but uh, when shows get bigger, that's when you can ask and that's when you get more of an opportunity. I'm sure he probably doesn't want to talk um, coming back from a flight yeah. after after last night's loss. Yeah, and especially after last night, uh, the way they looked on the defense, yeah, he probably didn't want to talk anyways. I wouldn't even want to talk to him right now. <laughs> well, hopefully, Cordrea, if you listen to the show, I'll make sure to give you a shout-out on Twitter. It was great to meet you um, at my job. Hopefully, you and maybe a few other teammates. A lot of Miami Dolphins players like to shop a lot. My manager, KJ, actually said one time um, um, with one of my other coworkers, he met... Um, Devontae Parker, who had a great game last night, six receptions, 134 yards. Yeah, he did. I think he had something to prove. I think he wanted something. He wanted to prove something, uh, and he did. If the Dolphins trade him, uh, they better get something decent back in return. But I think he definitely left his mark on, you know, he, sh he, should, be, he should be playing. He's, he's good. I, well, I don't think the Dolphins will trade him anytime soon, especially the budding first-round talent that he is. Um, but, you know, hopefully, like you said, as the show gets bigger, maybe we'll get more athletes. I promised prior on episodes that I would go to Dolphins training camp and maybe request or, or an interview or something. But, you know, sometimes you just got to shoot your shot and hope that it makes it in. Exactly. Uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Isn't that right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely right, Roy. Well, let's make 100% of our shots count with our NFL picks up next in a few seconds.
We are back on Talk is Okay, Lo. We're going to discuss the World Series in just a moment, but we want to talk first about the big game in college football to start off the weekend. I'm going to be very happy for some big games. Of course, last night, uh, a big upset, the formerly ranked uh, number 25 Appalachian State Mountaineers got beaten by the Georgia Southern Eagles and West Virginia crushed Baylor in a beatdown as expected by Mike and myself. Ryan, it's your turn to get some picks in for college this weekend. Let's start off with tonight's game, a big Pac-12 matchup between the Utah you know, UCLA hasn't lived up to its potential this year, Chip Kelly and all them, but uh, this game might be close. I don't know why it, it kind of seems feels like a trap game to me, it being in UCLA. Don't be surprised if UCLA for some reason wins this game, but I uh, Utah still has the way more talented team. They should get the win, but don't be surprised if they don't. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stick with Utah on this one. I think uh, a big matchup for them, an easy way to climb up into the polls and maybe compete in there with the Pat 12 a little bit. I got to play it safe with this one. I know it's in, it's in Bruins Den in the Rose Bowl, big historic stadium, but you know, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Utah so far this year. They've been playing a lot to a lot of people's expectations. I got to give it to that. Tomorrow, uh, a big one in the Doak, number two, Clemson against Florida State. It doesn't have the same feel as prior matchups um, from a few years ago, but it's still a good game, an ACC battle between two rivals. Who do you got on this one, Ryan? I think, uh, you know, being a Miami Hurricanes fan, you really just want both of them to kill each other. Yeah, that's true, but... uh you know, Clemson, this is another one kind of like the last game we were talking about. Clemson should win this game. I think they do. But I think people, it's going to be a lot closer than you think. Um, I saw the spread. They were giving Clemson like 17 and a half. I think Florida State keeps it close. You know, Tallahassee's a very tough place to go and get a win. This is a freshman quarterback. He's a good freshman quarterback. But nonetheless, uh, it's in Tallahassee. Another close game. Um uh, I'm not going to say Clemson's going to get knocked off. I'm not going to go that far, but this is another one where it's going to be close and they will be tested. I'm going to go Clemson on this one. Uh, like, I know you're saying it's a freshman quarterback, but Trevor Lawrence has sort of reminded me of what Jake Fromm did for Georgia last year. I think, you know, since Kelly Bryan has transferred, I think you've been seeing just a little bit up in his game. He's got a cannon of an arm, great mobility in the pocket. Florida State's defense hasn't really shown me anything, and – most importantly, that Clemson defense against DeAndre Francois, they're going to love to snack on him. This offensive line isn't really playing up well, so I got to take Clemson on this one. Wisconsin Northwestern, is this an easy dub for the Badgers? Uh, this could be. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything, but Wisconsin playing at home, they got momentum and everything. I think they win this game. Jump around in camp. Jump, jump. Now, Ryan, you predicted Florida beats my Georgia Bulldogs. Tell the audience why. Partly just because I don't like Georgia. I don't really care for Florida that much either. Uh, I just have a funny feeling about this game. I think I think Florida's good this year. I hate to say it, but they're good. So is Georgia. It's in Georgia. Well, it's in Jacksonville. Oh, they always play. They always play. They always play in Jacksonville. I'm sorry. So you know what? That's another reason that just adds to my Florida pick to me. It's not in Georgia, which means they don't have as much of an advantage. It's going to be a close game. Uh, Florida's good. They're, they're good this year. People don't want to admit it yet. They might They might get this win. Look, I love what Dan Mullen has done for the program. He's made Felipe Franks into a great quarterback. He's a great college quarterback risper. I mean, look what he made Dak Prescott into. Of course, everybody remembers what he did as the offensive coordinator a decade ago for Tim Tebow, Nick Fitzgerald as well. He's turned Felipe into something special. 
But, you know, I got to sit with UGA. I think the biggest reason why I go for Georgia is because you have to look. They had an off week. They just came off a loss against LSU. So there's a lot of onus on this game. This is a battle for a potential first place in the SEC East. So Georgia cannot afford to lose this game if we want to still be mentioned in terms of the college football playoff repeating as SEC champions. This is a must win. So, you know, Jake Fromm and company, the running back game from DeAndre Swift, everybody is going to be up tonight taught in the game. I think Kirby Smart has this team prepared, battle ready. We're going to go in and we're going to be able to celebrate in Florida at neutral territory. Red on one side, blue on the other. Georgia, UGA, we ball it. Shout out to Fly Two Guy Stack, Sony Michelle. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, I, I see what you're saying 100%. Like I said, Georgia may very well may win this game. I'm just going with Florida. They, they, you know, them taking down LSU, that's impressive stuff. LSU's good this year, and they beat LSU. So that's impressive to me. Yeah, LSU beat us as well, but I don't want to really relive that. South Florida-Houston, this game in um, Houston, um, another undefeated team in the South Florida Bulls. Did Charlie Strong and company keep it up? Because I smell an upset with um, the Houston Cougars winning this with Major Apple White's team. Yeah, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if this was an upset. Uh, USF now the past couple of weeks, they almost lost to the 1-6 in six UConn last week. And the week before, I think they almost lost to Tulsa. So, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're playing around. They're not really playing with these teams, but they're getting close to some losses against some pretty bad teams, and uh, a tough game in Houston might be the answer. Penn State, Iowa, two uh, Big Ten rivals going at each other, this time in Iowa in Kinnick Stadium. I got to go with Iowa on this one, the home field advantage. Oh, wait, my mistake. It's, it's not Iowa again this year. It's Penn State, Iowa in Happy Valley. My mistake. I was thinking of last year's games. Uh in this one, do you go with Trace McStorley or do you go with the Hawkeyes on this one? What, it's not It's not in Iowa? Are you sure? It, it's in Penn State, okay. I think, in this yeah, one. No, I think, well, either way, I think Penn State, went, I think they overall have the more talented team. Uh, if it wasn't Iowa, I think that would play a factor. That is a tough place to go and get a win. But Penn State, they've lost a couple. You know, that they're, they're pretty beat up about their losses against Michigan State and Ohio State. Games that they, to be honest, should have won. So they're pretty beat up. I think they come out here and they play hard and they get a win. Like I mentioned, not to fluff up anything, uh, Happy Valley, it's a tough place to play. We are Penn State. You know, um, it's it's a divided house sometimes when I root for Penn State. But, you know, I love the Nittany Lions. I love Trace McSorley, at quarterback. I got to go with it. Kyler Murray and the Oklahoma Sooners play um, Bill Snyder's Kansas State Wildcats. Is this another win for the potential Heisman Trophy candidate? Yeah, uh, Oklahoma wins this game easy. Uh, Kansas State doesn't offer much to them. It's in Oklahoma, and this should they'll probably win by over 20, 30. It's rare I go for Boomer sooner, but when it's Kansas State, it's an easy one. Missouri, Kentucky, Drew Locke versus Benny Snell. Do you maybe smell an upset in Ferret Field, or do you think Kentucky um, pulls out another win? Uh, Kentucky, they've looked as uh, you know better than they have in a very, very long time. But this is one of those trap games uh, in Missouri, and I think Missouri gets this win. I, I smell an upset, too. I think a lot of people are underestimating Barry Odom and Drew Locke at this high-flying offense. I love, um, I love to go for Missouri on this one. California versus number 15, Washington. Yeah, Washington wins. I don't think California just has, you know, recruiting-wise, the talent level that, or, uh, you know, wa that Washington has. I don't think California has that. Uh, I don't think they'll – they might keep up with them in the first half, but I don't see the 
game, you know, the game will be controlled by Washington for the most part. Yeah, Washington's been having a very sad year, unfortunately, losing two big games to Auburn and, of course, uh, Oregon. So this is really an important game for the Huskies to still maybe compete within the Pac-12 for it. Syracuse, NC State, I called an upset for Syracuse. Do you think the Wolfpack get it done against uh, the, the Orangemen in the Carrier Dome? Yeah, NC State might be able to pull this one off, but I will agree with you. Syracuse is another tough place to go and get a win. That quarterback, that Dungy guy, he's tough. Uh, he doesn't go down easily. He's a very tough guy, you know, to, to get your hands on. He's just a competitor, and he's fiery, so I like that. And Syracuse could cause problems for NC State. Texas A&M and Mississippi State in Stark Vegas. Does Jimbo get it done against the Bulldogs? Yeah, Texas A&M wins this game. They look good since Jimbo Fisher's came. They still got work to do, but I do believe they win this game against um, Missouri State. Mississippi State. Mississippi State. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's fine. How about uh, a big ranked game, Washington State and Stanford? Washington State has looked very impressive, looking like they could maybe come in and take the Pac-12 championship. Do they get it done against the Cardinal? No, Stanford wins at home. Uh, I feel like Stanford's had, had a decent amount of success over this team in the past you know, years, and I think they get this win. I think this is different under a Mike Leach team. I'm going to go for the Washington State Cougars on this one. How about a big one? Number three, Notre Dame against Navy in Navy's place. The midshipmen are hoping to maybe pull off an upset like they have in prior years. Did the midshipmen get it done against this um, very impressive number three ranked team? Well, yeah, I think as far as the names go, Notre Dame and Navy, this is considered a big game, you know, and everything. But I think Notre Dame still handles them pretty easily, being the third-ranked team. I, I think it's more of a bigger game because of the, you know, historic, iconic, you know, college football names, Notre Dame versus Navy, you know. But I think Notre Dame wins this one. I'm excited about that one. I, I got Navy winning this one. I think because because personally, I I, I I see it, Ryan. I mean, Navy's done it before. Two years ago, they did it to my Houston Cougars when they were the number three ranked team in the country. And you know what? Navy came in slapping together. They right. beat him. So, you know what? I know um, Ken Natatuai Lulu has a different name. Coach K, as I like to refer him as, has had some up and down success against Notre Dame. I just see it this way. I think this is the only L that Brian Kelly's um, um, fighting Irish to get it done against this one. How about number six, Texas taking on Mike Gundy's Oklahoma State Cowboys in Boone Pickens Stadium. The Longhorns are back. I know this is on the road, uh, but I fully expect them to win this game. They've looked Really good, better than they've looked in a long time. Uh, they beat Oklahoma State this weekend. You know, Ryan, the last time you were on the show, it was a tough decision whether I went for Texas versus USC um, in that game. But, you know, I I'm going to still stick with the good luck charm that the Longhorns have brought. I know my dad would be happy for it, even though I got accepted to Oklahoma State. And I do love me some um, pistol firing peak Cowboys. I got to take Texas on this one. Sam Ellinger healthy. This offense slapping together. They're going to beat, beat out a big one. Oregon versus Arizona. Could be a close one. I'm just going to take Oregon. I think they have the better team. But this could be another close one, another trap game on the road in Arizona. But Oregon's look, they've looked decent this year. I think they're able to scrap out another win. Justin Haybear at quarterback, I think that's another easy win. So you heard the college picks from Ryan and me. Now it's time to get to the World Series picks. Do the Dodgers bounce back tonight or do the Red Sox take it? Stay tuned. Talk is okay. We'll be right back in a few seconds. And then to wrap up, last shot and our week eight starts and sits. Before. 
before we dive back into the conversation, here are some latest headlines you need to know. Uh, I didn't mention this on my last show, especially a part of my mid-month recap, but the Conor McGregor and Kahib fight was something that was out of proportion. There's a December set hearing for it to discuss not only the punishments as of right now, both men are banned from UCF until further notice. Uh, Ryan, first off, your reaction though from the fight back in September. It's almost a month to the day that we remember this fight. Yeah, well, I'm a big McGregor guy, uh, but it was, to be honest, it was pretty, uh, not what I expected to see, but now that you've seen it, it's almost like it's not a surprise. You're talking about a guy who was living the celebrity life, going and fighting Floyd Mayweather for $100 million, uh, and then you got this Khabib guy who's really hungry, you know, probably training way harder than McGregor was. And, and McGregor hasn't fought in, for, in UFC in two years. You're not just gonna walk into the, back into the octagon, you know, fight the best guy and think you're gonna come out on top. Uh, and Khabib showed that he's the real deal and Khabib showed he's not one to be played with. Now I do think if, you know, McGregor went back to his roots and, you know, d didn't have the 100 million and, you know, truly trained, maybe went back to Ireland or whatever it is, I'm not saying he would win, but the fight would be a little different. Uh, that fight, he didn't really have much for Khabib. Khabib was too much. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I, I had Khabib winning the fight, honestly, of that. But I didn't expect the overall reaction. But then again, when McGregor talks too much smack, you know, you, you got to at least yeah, expect yeah. to be uh, punched in the mouth for it. So I'm not surprised. I mean, Floyd Mayweather has been talking about potentially a fight with Khabib. I mean, undefeated versus undefeated. Does one go down? Yeah, I mean, Floyd May. If it's boxing, obviously Floyd Mayweather's gonna win. Khabib, if you was looking, he's not a he's not like a hand thrower. He just gets you on the ground and you can't get up. Floyd Mayweather would win easily, just like he did against McGregor. This is, it's to be honest, that would just be a money making you know racket. That'd be that's all it's for. The fight probably wouldn't be that good. It'd be interesting to watch those two, but it wouldn't probably wouldn't be that good of a fight. It's all for the money, and it would probably be a pretty easy win for Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I agree. Not much there. How about a big one in college football? John Emery, the top recruit from the from um, the University of Georgia. He was the nation's top best running back. He decided today that he will no longer commit to the University of Georgia, not only breaking the hearts like myself, but the Bulldogs are now losing somebody that could help them repeat as the number one recruiting class um, team in the nation. Ryan, what do you think of Emery's decommitment from UGA? Well, do they know why? What, why are they saying he is? Well, according to ESPN, he said, he actually tweeted this out um, just a few days ago. This is one of the toughest decisions I've made in my life so far. I know it will only get tougher. My next move can determine a lot with my future during and after football. I want to first give thanks to the Bulldog coaching staff, Coach Smart and Coach McGee. Thank you for recruiting me and giving me some tips after some of my games and getting to know me and my family on a personal level. This recruiting process has taught me patience, even though something seems right. And in fact, it may be right. It is always better to be careful and time is a subset of being careful so I guess he hasn't really full it out said he just explained it but I mean this 511 202 kid from Louisiana he's had some offers from Mississippi State LSU and Florida State do you think maybe he goes back and plays for the number four team in the country uh, he could he definitely could but I don't think Georgia you know obviously they're losing a big thing here but I don't think they're going to sweat it too much. They're still one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. They still have one of the most dominant teams in the nation. Got a big game against Florida this weekend. They got a lot more things uh, to worry about. 
right now. But yeah, it hurts a little bit, but Georgia will be fine. And he, he probably will go to one of those other places that you mentioned. Well, this isn't the first time Georgia has lost um, some big commits for the class of 2019. They lost five-star wide receiver Jadon Haswood. He backed off his pledge October 2nd. And days before, uh, cornerback Jalen Perry and linebacker J.D. Bertanen both rated at four-stars decommit. Is there now something that the panic button should be with Kirby Smart and his UGA Bulldogs? What, as far as losing these guys? Or? Losing these commitments because these are big, essential future parts to maybe a potential national championship team yeah and I would say so if it was if it was for not as big as a team now there's two things like I said Georgia they're still gonna get their good players they're one of the top recruiting guys so they're gonna find other good people uh, the other thing is it doesn't really matter because Alabama's gonna win no matter what they're too good Georgia doesn't stand a chance against them I'm sorry Okalo it's gonna be the same story as last year uh, they might not even beat Florida this weekend I hate to break it to you Okalo I hate I, your face right now yeah but it's you know it's it, none of this truly, truly is a huge concern for me or Georgia right now because they got other things to worry about, like Alabama. Um, and Auburn. And Auburn. And like I said, they play Florida this week, I think. That's going to be a close game. We'll see what we see when we get to that. Uh, lastly, I think just one of the big last headlines, Ryan. I usually don't talk WWE um, in my program, but I feel like it's been banking the headlines this week. As some people know, if you haven't heard, uh, former WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns um, announced publicly on Monday Night Raw that he has been diagnosed with leukemia. And um, a lot of support from the sports community, from Todd Gurley to Andre Drummond, LeBron James, giving um, his respect to this former Georgia Tech football player and uh, four-time WWE champion. Uh, what did you make of your reaction when you heard um, the story break out? Yeah, big icon in the sports world, very well known. Uh, I'm just hoping for the best for him. Hopefully everything works out. Like you said, all these guys, it shows you how much or how known he was with Todd Gurley and everybody reaching out to him. So hopefully, you know, you know, prayers to him and to his family. Hopefully everything ends up okay. To think he lived with leukemia for 11 yeah. years and, and he kept on still coming, you know, and it's just stories like these, like for example, Eric Berry when he bit Hodgkin's lymphoma, James Conner with his cancer story. It's just, an, it just brings a tear to my yeah. eye and makes me endure and love the game more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sport, a lot of people say sports are more than, you know, just a game, you know, brings people together and things of that matter. Look at the inspirational, like you said, Eric Berry and James Conner, you know, so hopefully this story ends up like that, you know, it's inspirational. Hopefully we see him soon and maybe class the WWE uh, championship. Lastly, though, real quick, Ryan, before we dive back into college uh, conversation, instead of football, before we get into our predictions, how about some college basketball? The top 25 for the uh, CBB poll was released preseason-wise, according to USA Today. Kansas was ranked number one, Kentucky number two, Duke three, Gonzaga four, Virginia number five, the top five. Surprisingly, in the top 10 was Tennessee, Nevada, and Michigan State. What did you make of the top 25, and what do you think about college basketball going into this year? Yeah, well, to be honest, you know, I haven't seen any of the teams play, and I don't know uh, very much who's on the college football teams yet. Uh, I'll stick with the rankings for now. A couple things, like I said, I don't Two guys I am, am interested in seeing are those cats on Duke, uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. 
Uh, they look like they're going to be fun to watch. Like I said, I'll learn more about the college basketball season as it goes on and as we get close to March Madness. But right now, it's just too early for me to, you know, say what I like and what I don't like. I'm loving just the fact college sports is heating up. We get now the big games in football and now a little b-ball coming up just in time. Let's get to these college predictions. Five-second break. Ready? What you just heard was more nightmares for me as we inch closer to Halloween because the Boston Red Sox are up two games to none against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I wish you all could see my face because I am in a mellow tone mood because I don't want the damn Red Sox to win the World Series. I did an Instagram poll back a few days ago asking everybody who did they had. Ryan, in addition, was one of them who picked Boston. I'm picking L.A. Listen. The weather was bad. It was cold. It was stark. Los Angeles can't play. And even though Manny Machado has had some experience, that's just my belief. The series now switches to L.A. Dodgers are down two games to none, hoping to stay in the series. Or otherwise, Boston can inch closer to winning another World Series title, their first one in five years. The Dodgers are hoping tonight that it will maybe begin a repath of winning after all. 
in my opinion, the way I see it, like Ryan's Dolphins back in 71, 72, like my Penguins in 08 and 09. When teams lose a championship, they come back to win it from the previous year. And I still see the Dodgers going. Some lineup changes tonight. They don't know where they're going to put Mookie Betts or J.D. Martinez on the left or right side. The starting pitchers tonight will be Rick Porcello for the Red Sox. And for the Dodgers, it will be Walker Bueller that will start in this matchup in Los Angeles. Ryan, what can we expect in Game 3 tonight of the Fall Classic? Well, I'm going to start off by saying I I do think the Red Sox are going to win this series 4-2, 4-1 maybe. But with that being said, the Dodgers probably get one of those wins tonight. They're desperate. They're down 2-0. They're playing at home, better weather, uh, and they need a win. And they're going to play hard for a win. I think they get it tonight. I think they have a good night. They're feeling good in the weather again at home. Um, it's not like the Red Sox, you know, have David Price or Chris Sale on the mound. So they're, you know, they're vulnerable. They, and, and, and the Dodgers can definitely come out here and get a win if they get their bats going, if they get Cody Bellinger going, and Justin Turner and all these guys. They can definitely grab one here tonight. I still see the Red Sox winning 4-2 or 4-1, you know, depending on how things fall. But uh, tonight, Dodgers, I think, will win. Well, I'm happy, though, you're taking the right side on this one because it has made me sick to my stomach so far. And, look, I'll admit so far in the World Series, the pitching by the Red Sox has been fantastic. If not Chris Sale, David Price, and then the few closers that they've had to come in on the game, the Red Sox defense, I will admit, and Mookie Betts, I mean – I mean, I, I only give him uh, the benefit of the doubt because we get free tacos from Taco Bell thanks to him. But, I mean, tonight, I mean, Manny Machado, I, I think that they're going to thaw out in the weather. And besides, Yasel Puig, Justin Turner, as you mentioned, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, and that maybe if they rotate in Matt Kemp coming off the bench, this, Red, this Dodgers team will bounce back to do it. And, I mean, Walker Buehler, he's had some good stats in the regular season so far. And, you know, compared to Rick Porcello, who I think is an, is an underrated pitcher, a part of that great pitching rotation, I still look at this kid from Vanderbilt. I mean, he's only 24 years old. You know, he just made his debut last year. You know, I mean, so far in the, reg- in the regular season, I know this is, might be his first playoff start, but, I mean, his ERA is 2 for 62. He's only averaged 90 hits. He's had 43 runs average and error of 40. And then his BB rating is 37. You know, I think, you know, if you want to get back on track, Walker Bueller is the right guy to start in your home crowd of Los Angeles. Yeah, a good young pitcher. But to be honest, I don't think that's the story. of I think the story of tonight is the bullpen pitching by both teams. Dodgers, they got to show up in the bullpen. You can't be up to one and walk a guy in to tie the game. Uh, It just can't happen if you want to win a World Series. The bigger story tonight, uh, like you said, he's a good young kid. But the bigger story is the bullpen pitching. And when, you know, the fifth, sixth inning comes around and the game's tied or whoever is up one run or so, uh, the bullpen pitching is really going to be the determining factor in this game. Well, you know, I look at, for example, Bueller's um, thing. He has played in the playoffs just a little bit. I mean, remember, he was able to help with the game-clinching victory in the NLCS um, game against the Brewers. One big note other than the bullpen to me is the availability of J.D. Martinez. Now, it is likely that he will start due to his ankle sprain, but if J.D. Martinez does or does not play, how will this affect the Red Sox overall in terms of their hitting? Well, he's going to play, and they're going to be fine. I think it's just uh, more precautionary than anything. But getting back to the bullpen point, this Red Sox team, you know, Walker Buehler, he's a good pitcher. But this Red Sox team, 
you can only go so long before they start to figure you. They're they're good enough to where you know five six innings in, they're going to start figuring you out, and uh, that's when it's it's time to call a bullpen for a lot of pitchers. So we'll see how long you can go. I mean, I mean, J.D. Martinez has driven in four runs over the first two games. So he's really – well, an underrated player, I'll even say, who's been a big part of that Red Sox offense has been Ian Kingsler. I mean, even though he's had one hit in two games, he's had two important – out RBIs that help them in game two and in a part of that um, rotation to help get them some of the easy walk-in runs to score. Yeah, well, he's a he's an important part to this team now, especially after Dustin Pedroia went down. Uh, Ian Kinsler stepped up and he's been a solid backup. You know, he's been a very solid second baseman for the Red Sox and um, they're going to need him if they want to win. Yeah, most of um, anything. Just some side hits um, to know why the reason I think the Dodgers are going to win tonight. Did you know that teams have taken a two games to none lead, have won 43 out of the 54 World Series, including the past 10 times? And the Dodgers have done this before in their history, Ryan. 1981, a little history lesson. They beat my New York Yankees. And when they fell two games to none and they won the World Series, the Red Sox have even done it well. But I'm looking forward to seeing tonight. And, you know, the Dodgers, when they win, when they play in the World Series at home, they're one of the best teams um, to step maybe on the mound, on the on the diamond to play in the World Series in terms of home crowd and good old fashioned historic Dodger Stadium. Um, like I said, there, there's a reason they're in the World Series for the second straight year. I'm glad you kind of have your hopes up, Okalo, for these Dodgers. Uh, the Red Sox just look too good right now. And, you know, I think Chris Sale, he's either going to be pitching game four or five. And, you know, the, he's, he's, too, he's too much right now. And I know you could say the same for Kershaw. But guess what? Kershaw, this lineup is stacked. And Kershaw has a little bit of a history of not always showing up in big playoff games. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the Red Sox have too much going for him right now. Score-wise. Maybe see this playing out in LA. Like a 7-6 type of game. Dodgers come out on top like 7-6. One of those kind of crazy games. I think it's going to be a really good game tonight. I'm going to say 5-1 Dodgers. I think if you need a statement game to come back and beat the team, especially to, to win a World Series that LA hasn't experienced in 30 years, you've got to make a statement with tonight's game. I'm expecting homers from Bellinger, Yasel Pui, maybe Matt Kemp if he comes off the bench. I, I really do expect the, the Dodgers to come in. They have a lot. They they could have won game two had it not been for the pitching mistakes of um, Young Ho and, uh, and some of the other guys. So I really think that if you want to maybe make a statement and show America that you're not dead in the water, Justin Turner, Manny Machado, keep slugging those bats and hit them out of the park. 5-1 Dodgers. It's just gonna. It's just gonna be tough, you know. When whenever you hear the, the Red Sox going to get one point, you're kind of like, ah, you know, that that it's hard to hold those guys to only one point. Those guys can hit, you know, Kayla. So um, we'll see. I, I agree with you. The Dodgers are gonna win. I think the Red Sox get more than one run. They're a tough team to uh, hold down. And look, I'll even say this: the important wins that they accumulate here when they go back to Boston, because I think this will at least go to Game Five in B Town. I think now that they've been accustomed to the cold weather of of uh, fall October in Massachusetts, they'll come back and they'll be stronger and better for it. it it's a toughening type thing when you're down two games to none. And I know for Dodgers fans, they're like, "Uh oh, look what we got ourselves into here again." Yeah, and it starts tonight. They don't win the night; they're done. So. Like I said, I, I expect them to win. This is a must-win situation. They don't win tonight. They go down 3-0, and the series is over, and, you know, according to me. So. 
Well, let's see what we see tonight when we see the battle in Los Angeles, Boston, L.A., and it ain't Lakers, Celtics, ladies and gentlemen. This is the new era 10 years ago. How you doing? Go Dodgers. You already know how I feel. Fantasy starts and sits for week eight to wrap up and then last shot. Stay tuned. Talk is okay. We'll be right back in a few seconds. Lastly, ladies, the final segment that you have been waiting for, start and sit for week number eight. If you heard um, my little side segment last week, um, uh, I mean the last episode with Mike, I just went in a little bit in depth with some of my starts and sits based off one roster. I'm here with Ryan now to discuss the full-fledged guys that you need to start and you need to sit this week. I want to return back, if you heard yesterday's episode, with Derek Carr as my start of the week. I think he's at home. It's the Indianapolis Colts. It's simple. You play him regardless of anything. Indianapolis Colts, ladies and gentlemen, that's an easy matchup to get a dub and get some fantasy points. The next quarterback I'm also going to start this week is Ben Roethlisberger. You know why? He's at home. The Browns have been giving up some points to quarterbacks. I love Big Ben when he's home. You already know the rules in fantasy. If Big Ben is home, you play him and you play him with confidence. My two starts from, from the game me and Ryan discussed and we're having a little back and forth. Bengals and Bucks start both quarterbacks, Andy Dalton and famous Jameis Winston. Both teams have been giving up a plethora of points to quarterbacks. So I'm expecting both of them to come out and play well. And if you need a sleeper this week, I'm going to say the sleeper that you start this week is C.J. Beathard. I know the matchup against the Cardinals may seem like a little bit tough because they're on the road, but Beathard has been averaging around uh, 20 points per game with the exception of the Ram game last week. He's the guy that I recommend that you start all the way this week. To lead you if you need a quarterback with guys like Matt Ryan on the bye. Guys, I'm going to sit this week. I'm going to start off first with Alex Smith. Now, I the reason I put him as my sit of the week is because the Giants, even though that their defense isn't really as good, they still give up some few points to quarterbacks. So I'm expecting Alex Smith to have a slow game in this one. Don't expect a lot out of him. I know the Giants team overall isn't really any good, but I still say as a caution that you sit him. A guy that I'm also going to sit is Sammy D. You know why? He's heading up to Chi-Town, Khalil Mack. Is there anything else to say? Next question. Third quarterback I'm also going to sit this week I mentioned is Case Keenum. This matchup against Arrowhead is ex in Arrowhead is going to be extremely tough. And like Ryan talked about in our predictions, when it's Arrowhead, it's going to be a noise-deafening place. Andy Dalton didn't do well last week. And for Case Keenum, I know he's been in a loud nation before playing in Skull Nation. Not a chance. My fourth quarterback I'm also going to sit this week is Joe Flacco. Now, I know that a lot of people may look at this, how he's been trending upwards. But this is a trap game against the Panthers, folks. You don't want to play him in this matchup. The Panthers, especially at home, are one of the toughest of quarterbacks, only averaging around 16, to, 16 points or below on the road and Joe Flacco doesn't even have good history on the road. So why even play him there? You sit Joe Flacco and my bus of the week goes to Carson Wentz. The reason why the Jaguars give up the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. It's another track game. If you need an other option at quarterback, Baker Mayfield as well. Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, 
guys that I would rather start. Heck, even Andrew Luck, I would start over Carson Wentz. Ryan, any interjections you want to lay, or do you think the week eight start sit is so far so good? Yeah, pretty accurate. I don't know if uh, C.J. Beathard, you know, he doesn't have many wide receivers to throw to and to help that Patrick Peterson's on the other side. So other than that, they're all, to me, pretty accurate, and I can agree with all of them. Words of Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura. All righty then, let's keep it going. How about some running backs that I would start this week? I'm going to go for my start of the week, Marlon Mack. An impressive game that he put up against the Bills last week. And I think he keeps it going against the Raiders. The Raiders have given up the third most fantasy points to running backs. And I see Marlon Mack continuing the upward trend that he's playing with. Start him this week and start him with Everything that you have. A running back that I think is going to finish within the top five in points this week, Joe Mixon. He put up a huge stinker last week against Kansas City. But like I said, when it's Arrowhead, it's really tough to play against. So against Tampa Bay, they've given up the 12th most fantasy points to running backs. I still see Joe Mixon at home maybe doing a little bit of the shoot dance and scoring some touchdowns like he did against Ryan's Dolphins. He's been playing well at home. He's averaged at least around uh, 14 to 17 fantasy points per game at home. Joe Mixon, I'm riding with you. I'm also going to ride with Carrion Johnson. This Seahawks run defense is extremely bad, especially on the road. Look what they did to Philip Lindsay at the beginning of the year, and they gave Jordan Howard some points. I would say Carrion's more of a flex this week. So, you know, I, I still play him this week, but I'm just saying don't expect super huper mega duper numbers. Another running back that I'm also going to start this week, I'm going to go with. Matt Breida, I like this matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. They've given up the most fantasy points to running backs, so I continue the trend with it. And my sleeper of the week, I'm going to go with Doug Martin for the Oakland Raiders. Marshawn Lynch is out, and I know John Gruden has been itching to try to get Doug Martin out on the field. And really, Indianapolis Colts, are you really going to say anything else? How about let's get to now some sits that I'm going to sit this week. I'm going to be bold on this one, and I say you sit Latavius Murray. I think this is a tough matchup against the New Orleans Saints. Believe it or not, the Saints' run defense has been actually pretty tough against against running backs. So I don't look forward to uh, Latavius Murray having a good point spread overall. I think this is a trap game for him. Beware when you start Latavius Murray if you're really thin at the running back position. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if he comes out and balls out. Another running back I'm going to sit, even though it pains me being a South Florida boy, James White. Now, I know this matchup against the Bills may look good on paper, but the Bills have been actually really tough on running backs this week, and I don't know how Bellatrix loves to do it. I mean, we're getting closer to Halloween, so James White can give you a trick or a treat, or if Oni Michelle comes back. So until the running game is situated, I'm not playing. James White this week. I'm also not going to play Aaron Jones for the Packers. The Rams run defense in Dominican Sue, Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald. Next question. Another running back I'm going to sit this week is Jordan Howard against the New York Jets. I don't like the matchup this week. I think Jordan Howard has been playing inconsistent. I'd rather play Tariq Cohen this week. He's been on the up and up this week uh, um, over the past few weeks in fantasy. Jordan Howard has been some reason abysmally has been regressing, so I'm not taking a chance on him. And my bust of this week will go to another South Plantation uh, paladin, uh, well, I should say another South Florida boy, Alex Collins against the Carolina Panthers. This Panthers run D is tough. I don't see Alex having a good day against him. Alex, I'm sorry. You know I love you as a South guy, but you got to pull out a, a little Irish dance luck or maybe get the leprechaun from Leprechaun to haunt the Panthers' nightmare in order to get that on. Ron, anything else maybe you want to
interject, or do you think maybe Alex has the bust of the week is going too bold? I, I think you hit uh, most of them on the spot. I will say uh, somebody I think is a big sleeper this week. It might catch a lot of people by surprise, but Martavius Bryant on the Raiders. Amari we'll get to receivers in a moment. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Amari Cooper's gone. Uh, he's starting next to Jordy Nelson this week. I think he could have a big week. What back side of things? What about on the running backs? As far as sleepers go or boom or bust or? Any of them. Pick, pick your points. I agree with your mix and pick. I think he has a big week. Uh, Chris Carson, we'll see. I don't know what, you know, if, if you got some decent running backs, I might sit Chris Carson for this one. Uh, you know, he's the starter in Seattle, but going to Detroit, I don't know how much volume he's going to get. Uh, so we'll see about him. What other running backs did you did you point to? I pointed as well to Doug Martin. I think he's a great I, sleeper. I like him this week against uh, the Colts. I like him a lot this week. I, you know, Marshawn Lynch and everything. Uh, Doug Martin could have a breakout week. Who knows? I'm just saying this to Steelers fans and fantasy owners. Just be prepared if Le'Veon Bell magically shows up on game day. Uh, to, to be maybe maybe him not showing up during the week could be a surprise. I'm just saying, watch your lineup with um, James Conner this week. I still think he's going to have a good game against the Cleveland Browns like he did his first one. How about let's get to some wide receivers now, Ryan. You already mentioned Martavis Bryant as a sleeper. I'm going to go my start of the week goes to Tyler Boyd. I really like the matchup against the Buccaneers. I basically like any receiver so far. Tyler Boyd, I know, put up another stinker, only two points last week against the Chiefs. You know, this Bucks team, they give up actually the fourth most fantasy points to receivers. So if you're expecting Tyler Boyd, who so far has been playing like the free agent um, waiver wire claim of the year, I really like Tyler Boyd to continue his high rise. I'm also going to start Deshaun Jackson this week. I know there was a big concern with how the chemistry with Jameis Winston would flow, but I really am loving me some number 11. So Deshaun Jackson, keep it up, man. You're going to remain in my lineup. Another wide out I'm also going to start this week. I'm going to go with Robert Woods for the Rams, as we mentioned. I think this match against the Packers is, is the game of the week. Brandon Cooks as well. This is a campus matchup. And with Cooper Cup out, this is perfect. It's all lining up right now for Robert Woods to, if not have an, uh, another great day, to finish maybe within the top three um, outside of DeAndre Hopkins. And then lastly, another receiver that I'm also going to start this week is Josh Gordon against the Buffalo Bills. Sorry about that, folks. The mic fell off on this one. As I was saying, yeah, Josh Gordon, great matchup against the Bills this week. Um, a can't-miss matchup. I know Tom Brady and him haven't been connecting as of yet since he threw the 500 touchdown of his career, but I'm expecting it. So Josh Gordon, flex at best. And then for a sleeper, Ryan, you took the words out of my mouth, but I'll go for another sleeper. How about Christian Kirk for the Arizona Cardinals? He played especially well against the 49ers, burning Richard Sherman in the first matchup. So I love Christian Kirk in this one. How about let's get to some sit wide receivers. I'm going to start with my sit of the week. This is a risky one because usually a lot of fantasy owners drafted him high to be their wideout number one. But Michael Thomas, I'm actually going to sit. Look, the Vikings defense have been tough on receivers. I know that the secondary has been somewhat inconsistent, but I'm just saying this. If Michael Thomas puts up a stinker, you heard it here from me first. You gotta, you got, you got, I'm sorry. You got to play Michael Thomas to me. No matter what team he's playing, he's the type of But talent. it's the best defensive football in the Minnesota Vikings. And let me ask you something, Okayla. What, what, what happened to that defense when they played the Rams? Five touchdowns. 
five touchdowns from Jared Goff. But but that's Goff. This is Drew Brees. Exactly. Okay, what am I saying? I must be on dope or something. Next, next. How about let's go to another receiver I don't like this week, and it's Robbie Anderson. Bears defense, and he's even doubtful with a knee injury, so I kind of question him. I'm also going to sit Dougie Baldwin this week, as I mentioned on yesterday's episode. Doug Baldwin is going up against Darius Slay. He hasn't been playing as I expected this year. So I expect the downtrend to continue. You sit Doug Baldwin and you sit him with confidence. I'm also going to sit Demarius Thomas this week. The last time the Chiefs played the Broncos, he almost scored a touchdown, and that would have won me my game. Demarius, you messed me up. And you know what? I'm not even going to trust you this week going to Arrowhead. I know the Chiefs may look promising to East on because they don't have Eric Berry, but to, to ruin my fantasy week. Please and thank you. Another receiver I'm also going to sit this week is Devin Funches. I don't like the matchup against the Ravens. They've been extremely tough on wide receivers. The Ravens have given up the fewest fantasy points to wideouts, so I don't expect him to play with the utmost importance on this one. He's been scoring touchdowns, but I say this is another week I keep Devin Funches on my bench. And my super mega duper bust of the week at receiver goes to Nelson Aguilar. I don't like the matchup against the Jaguars, and Nelson has been just down, down, down since Carson Wentz came back. So I'm expecting nothing but less from Nelson Aguilar. If you think he's a good sleeper, don't. The Jaguars' defense is still tough. I think Carson Wentz may put up some points, but don't include number 13 in the mix. Ryan, any suggestions, anything you want to input? Uh, these guys aren't really sleepers, but I think two guys that you, you have to put in your lineup, I think they end up having big weeks. Uh, T.Y. Hilton against the Raiders, I think he can thrash their secondary. I think he can put up a lot of yards, one or two touchdowns. I think Juju Smith-Schuster has a good game as well. Juju on that beat. Yeah, I believe, he, you know, against the Browns. I think Antonio Brown and him have good games, but, you know, with them keying in on Antonio Brown, a lot of room for Juju Smith. Schuster work. I will say with that Nelson Aguilar pick, a lot of the attention is going to be on Ertz and, you Alshon know, Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey's probably going to be guarded by Jalen Ramsey. Um, Aguilar's going to have to step up this game. He might he might do something out there, you know. He, he, he's going to have to step up for these guys. Three tight ends that I love this week. Uh, first tight I'm going to start this week is C.J. Ozema against Tampa Bay, as well as O.J. Howard. I love the matchup. And a sleeper I'm going to go for this week is Tyler Higby. I've been mentioning him a lot from this Rams team and in this article that I'll probably upload soon. But Tyler Higby, you know, don't, don't expect a little dinker of a touchdown um, to get you some points. I love him this week. Some tight ends I'm going to sit this week. Believe it or not, I'm going to say you sit Kyle Rudolph. The Saints have been tough on tight ends. I'm also going to sit David Njoku and my bust of the week. As much as I love my Steelers, I got to say Jesse James. I'm not really digging him this week against the Browns. Yeah, agreed. Uh, two tight ends, I will say, I think have a big week as well. Jimmy Graham, I think he's productive this week against the Rams. There's just something sneaky about that game. And I think Evan Ingram. Uh, you know, he's finally getting healthy again, and he's back against the Redskins at home. Important parts of that Giants offense, actually. I think he has a good week against the Redskins. I think the Evan... I think the Evan Ingram thing is a trap game. Sorry if the microphone... Adding out for it, folks. Uh, but, yeah, Evan Ingram, I just don't see it this week. The Redskins have been extremely tough on tight ends, given the third fewest fantasy points. So I really can't see anything out of it. Real quick, Ryan, before we wrap this thing up, one bold prediction in fantasy this week. Let's see. I'm going to stick with uh, the one I said. I, Martavius Bryant gets you 20-plus points this week. 
I'm going to go here and say that Carson Wentz finishes outside of the top 15 in points. And I'm going to say Baker Mayfield is a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week and Mitchell Trubisky as well. I say that Trubisky puts up a 30-burger point game mixed up with there with Deshaun Watson, and I say Baker Mayfield puts up a 25-point game. I think with the momentum that Todd Haley has uh, for wanting to beat his former team and show up Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield has been saying a lot this week how he's ready for this game. No ties. It'll come down. There will be a winner. And I will say that Baker Mayfield is going to put up something impressive. And what a way to do it in front of a big-time Super Bowl contending team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Agreed. Um, and Baker Mayfield, I, I always said since he got drafted, I think he can be something special in this league. I still think the Steelers win. I don't know if he'll get 25 points. Pittsburgh's a tough place to go play. I know their defense isn't anything special, but we'll see. But, I mean, look what Patrick Mahomes put up when he played his first game at Heinz Field. Yeah. So, you know, they've actually been pretty much giving points to fantasy quarterbacks when they come to Heinz Field, with the exception of Matt Ryan. So, I think, though, Baker Mayfield gets it done this week, and uh, I'm expected it. And, and I know you even mentioned Baker a lot because, you know, when you predicted with the Jet game how he played, you were right again. So, I'm expecting a lot with it. And I think that pretty much does it, folks. Last shot will be coming up next. Of course, I have to thank the man who loves to get me ratings and produces as much heat as the South Florida sun does. Ryan, I got to love, appreciate you on the show, man. It's great to have you back on. Hopefully, um, when the wounds heal from the Dolphins uh, loss, maybe we'll have you back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a blast uh, being here, and it's always fun talking sports with you. Any final words, any final thoughts for the for the sports week heading into the weekend? Yeah, sure. Uh, Dolphins fans, don't lose hope. Ryan, if we get Ryan Tannehill back, we'll be okay. We can still squeak into the playoffs. I'm not just saying that because I'm crazy. Maybe a little bit. Red Sox win the World Series. LeBron makes it into the playoffs around the fifth or sixth seed. Um, my fantasy team, all, all three of my fantasy teams will win the championship. And, and that's pretty much it. I'll say this, all three of my leagues will win this week. Uh, two other things, Le'Veon Bell gets back in a surprise way. I, I believe it. I, I got some good karma coming in for it. And I'll say this um, as the trade deadline approaches prior to Halloween. Don't be surprised if Larry Fitzgerald gets shipped out. I know a lot of people have been talking about Patrick Peterson, but he's a Cardinal. But I think this could be Larry's last year. You send him off with the Super Bowl. And I'll say this. He may go back to his hometown team, the Minnesota Vikings, as a potential trade option. That would be uh, something to see. That would definitely be interesting. Uh, who would the Vikings give up for him, though? You know, a couple picks or something, I guess. Or not even a couple picks, but, um, you know, you always root for Larry Fitzgerald. He's been a class act since he's been in the league. One of the, definitely a Hall of Fame wide receiver, top wide receiver of all time. Uh, you just wish the best for him. But he might want to stay a Cardinal his whole career, no matter how bad they're doing. Well, we'll see when the trade deadline gets closer. I'm excited to hopefully hear more as the weekend progresses. And last shot will be coming up next. Ryan, thanks again. And that does talk is okay, Lo, for the intermediate last shot in a few seconds, as I repeat. Thank you so much for tuning in. Finally, today on Last Shot, I wanted to discuss the two biggest news that has the WWE going. 
I don't always talk about World Wrestling Entertainment on my podcast show, but I feel like that it is important that I do with the two big marks that are happening this week in WWE. The first is this coming Sunday with their landmark pay-per-view, Evolution, where it'll be an all-female pay-per-view for the first time ever. Now, WWE may not have been the first sports entertainment group to really incorporate full-out women's wrestling and a, as a major part. TNA did it first, not to ruffle anybody's feathers, but WWE has definitely taken the ball and roll with it. And as the evolution of women in sports has progressed over with Serena Williams, Candace Parker, and even Ronda Rousey's mark not only in UFC, but also WWE, it's an amazing event that I think all people around the sports world should just open their eyes and look at. And it's just a far to see how far women's wrestling, even just overall sports, has far come. When the past and the present meet up in the ring this Sunday, it certainly should be something interesting and amazing. Now, I'm not going to be a critic on the wrestling show, whether it'll be good or bad, but all I know is is that it'll be something that will be remembered in the annals of sports history, compared to a World Series or a Stanley Cup final, even a Super Bowl. A pay-per-view like this should always be remembered as something in a landmark of a lifetime. And as women's sports continues to evolve, I think that even more and more people will be glued to the TV, watching Candace Parker and the WNBA Finals even more, and just overall for anything that comes on in sports. I'm really looking forward to the future that women have in the business, and I know that they're absolutely going to kill it, whether on the field, whether in the owner's box, sidelines, GMs, and more. It's going to be something amazing in the future, and I can't wait for women to continue to break more barriers across the sports first. And lastly, Roman Reigns. As me and Ryan mentioned in the show about his re-diagnosis of leukemia, it is something that made me think about more about the passion of sports. To think that a man has battled this disease for 11 years and still continues to do a passion that he loves is still to me a mind-boggling thing like a James Conner, like an Eric Berry. It just shows that there is a human side besides just the scores and the jerseys and behind the numbers and the titles. At the end of the day, we're all human and we all have to show support for one another. Whether you cheered Roman or booed him to to enter this fight, it feels like we're all fighting with him in this heavyweight contest. Cancer is definitely a big opponent and it's hard to take down an opponent when it's nothing that you can or can't control. But I know Roman Reigns is going to beat this. For 11 years, he did it, and I know he'll do it again and be back in WWE before we know it. Sports is definitely a thing that can teach us a lot of life lessons, and I'm sure what Roman Reigns has faced through the gridiron, in addition to the wrestling ring, if he's fought through bigger, stronger opponents as well, he knows how to handle this one. Give it everything you got. And I believe that he will. Sports can be a thing that teaches everybody lessons in and outside of the fields of play. And whether or not we're in academics, nursing field, or whatever, it's still a thing that can teach us a lot in any professions. Experience can bring a big factor in and can help us and teach us and grow us for the future. No matter if you watch sports or just don't care for it much, you have to admit one thing. It is a huge conversation and helps people no matter what they go through. It's just another reason why I love sports. And for moments that WWE has created like this, let this be a lesson to any other major sports league and just people around. Anything's possible when you put your mind to it, and there's always going to be new barriers to break, whether personal or overall 
gap-wise in terms of social barriers. But just give it everything you got and fight for it. And that's our show for today. For all the great people here at Talk is Okalo, your hostess with the mostest will be signing off. Make sure you guys tune in to my fantasy football special and, of course, my recap of week eight for Monday night. Stay tuned for, as well, um, any updates with the podcast show for my NBA special. And I can't wait to hear from you guys. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. Your hostess with the mostest is now going. Peace out, people. Enjoy the games. Huh!